1: Live.
2: Uh, all right, was good, everybody. Uh, welcome to another episode of uh, the Boxing Box Podcast, The Movement. Um, before we get started, uh, I just want to say big up to all my co-hosts, man, for holding it down. This is our our tenth episode, so so big up to y'all for for uh, being consistent with this and. You know, keeping it interesting for us to be ten episodes in, and the uh, the type of guests we've had on already, a special guests. So, uh, you know, just thanks for for these special moments that we we've we've done with these shows so far, and it's only uh just beginning. So, so big up to my co-hosts. We've got big pool of a uh, colossal boxing talk. What's uh-huh. up? Um, we got uh, Bernard holding it down for Truth and Facts About Boxing. What's good? And we got my man Tupé, the guy that the guys at Boxing Talk was good.
3: What up, fam?
2: All right. Uh, I guess we're going to dive into these uh, topics, man. Uh, we got some good ones for you this week, you know, as usual. Uh, let's check it out.
1: One second.
2: All right. Um. First off, we got a. Uh, I guess we we started off with this. I guess um. A couple weeks back, talking about the whole uh, insurance requirements in New York now as far as this affecting boxing in uh, combat sports. Um, so there was a recent uh, article put out there by – our statement put out by Lou DeBella, uh, one of the big time East Coast promoters, you know, from New York, put on uh, Sean Porter's key tournament card earlier in the year, does a lot, of, a lot of stuff with Al Hayman and, you know, his own other side promotions. And he basically said uh they're done with all their cars for two thousand sixteen. There is no New York cars for for now because of, you know, their insurance policy requirements for brain injury. Um I guess we just wanna follow up on that and uh I wanna get you guys' take on on everything, uh, as far as what you guys think on for how it's affected, things happening as far as the, I guess possibly the whole December temperament with uh, Daniel Jacobs and Golovkin possibly as well if that may have been an issue. Um, so let me get y'all take on it. I'm gonna start with you, Big Pool. Man, uh, before I start, it's good to be back. I missed last week's episode, but they
4: but y'all held it down. Uh, as far as this, I mean, I guess Luther Bella realized it was more risk. Then you know it was. Excuse me, I can't even words out. It. it wasn't worth the risk of you know putting on the card and, and risking somebody, you know, suffering a brain injury where he would have had to fork off, you know, one million dollars, and that one million dollar policy for each fighter on the card. I mean, he got deep pockets, but not that deep, and so he just had to pull the plug on it, which is unfortunately uh, because I think the name is Heather, Heather Hardy uh, and a lot of other. New York-based fighters are now in flux and trying to find out, you know, where they're going to make some their income because they primarily make their money based off fighting New York where they have big fan bases. And with them pulling the plug on fights in New York for the time, for the foreseeable future, it's putting them in, in a tough situation. And I was reading what she said. She had to, she might have to go back and start delivering books and making phone calls. So that's definitely unfortunate. Um, but there's also a chance that they could uh, – redo the, um, or tweak the the policy and and allow it, but they don't think it'll be in time, you know, they won't be able to salvage it in time to salvage the dates that they had uh, planned. So, hopefully they can get it situated and where these fighters can be back fighting um, early part of 2017. So, like I said, it's an unfortunate situation because fighters got families to take care of and, and bills to pay, and bills don't stop just because you know, uh, you're out of a job. So hopefully they can get that situation and come to a, a, an agreement to, that makes sense for everybody and that makes everybody comfortable. And we can see these New York based fighters, uh,
2: fight early part of, uh, 2017. So that's my thoughts on it. All right. Um, let me put a, uh, another, I guess, stem on there. And my bad for not mentioning this, uh, prior to sending it to you a big fool. Um, there was an a article put out by ESPN uh, just to go into, you know, correlation with what we're talking about right now. Um, you know, UFC is having their first uh, MMA event in New York, I guess, uh, within the next couple of weeks.
5: Mm-hmm. And,
2: you know, there was talk about as far as, uh, you know, them, them them having to meet the same $1 million uh, requirement. And, uh as far as that goes, it goes into the actual pricing. You know, uh, they have thirteen fights going on. I guess, uh, I believe thirteen fights, and they said per fight that policy is a thousand six hundred seventy five dollars. That's per fight, so it was yep. a total cost of like forty four grand for them to pay that. So, do you think? With that being said, do you think? Uh, this is something that should still hinder, you know, promoters like Luda do, Bella do from putting on belts? Or, uh, or do you think that, like, do you think he, he was uh, overblown in in some of his statements about this? Um, let me send it over to 2K.
6: Um, well, I don't know. Uh, I don't remember if everybody, the entire panel, was on the same page back when we talked about this. Uh, a few episodes back,
4: um, but I
6: remember saying uh, to other people that Lou DiBella will probably cancel his his fights from now on. Um, now I'm just waiting on Tom Brown, who is taking over for Dan Goosen uh, in the wake of his death, taking over for uh, on uh, Goose and Tudor Promotions. I'm waiting on him to actually um, come out and say, "Yeah, we cancel our cars too." Then it'll be Top Rank. Um, What I read, and it it could be changed as of now, but what I read was each fighter um, on that 13-card event, each fighter needed to be covered for 1 million um, for brain injury automatically off the top. And that was one thing that Bob Brown was arguing about with uh, uh, or he had a problem with um, the whole situation. He said that you know he could. He doesn't mind doing it for his main event fighters. You know, if it were, let's say Manny Pacquiao and Jesse Vargas out there in New York fighting, he wouldn't mind putting the bread down uh, for those two. But he can't do it for fucking. You know. Uh, you know, like a Clarissa Shields versus somebody else. You know, I'm just saying. You know, somebody who opens the card anyway. Um, he wouldn't be able to do it for that. Uh, for that particular fight. So that was the, the biggest thing that I had read, the biggest conflict uh, from Bob Arum's, um point of view. And in reading that, I immediately was like, well, you know, Lou DeBella, Goose and Tudor, uh, main event, who also holds a lot of cards out there in the in New York, New Jersey area, they don't have a, as much money as top-ranking Bob Arum does. Um, so if he can't do it, they most likely can't do it. So that's why I had that prediction that, you know, they were going to stop. Pretty much start canceling their fucking cards, and like I said, I'm waiting on Tom Brown to, to 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 follow pace, man, follow suit, and 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 many other uh, uh, promotional companies to follow suit until they can get this resolved. All right, um, let me pass
2: it over to uh, Bernard on this one. Um, uh, what are you, what are your thoughts, the sentiments on this whole thing with the? the NYC insurance and you know it affecting the rest of the cars out there for, for the rest of this year. Are you there? Yeah. Alright, uh, I guess he, uh, passed passing on to, uh, to his partner and friends. Well, we got him back on right now. Uh, Bernard, did you get that? Did you get everything we just said? He's still not on. <laughs> yeah, he's still he's on. Yeah, he's on. No, no,
3: no, no. I'm back. I'm back, guys.
2: Um, I don't know if you caught caught the the topic we were talking about as far as uh. Everything's with the NYC. uh, No, no, no.
3: I heard you. I got cut off when you uh, started asking me the question. Um, on the last, on the last podcast, not this one, but the one we spoke on this earlier, I spoke. Uh, uh, had an extensive. uh, I spoke when I spoke about it. I spoke a lot on it, but basically, uh, I don't think I. I I'm coming from a different perspective on this one right now as I'm looking into it. Um, with uh, Lou DiBella, and as well as of Promotions, maybe it's time just to make a change and just I understand New York is the mecca of boxing, but it's probably possibly not start to move since you you're dealing with fighters who are trying to make a money, this their living. Maybe you should move to New Jersey, uh, New Jersey area, or Connecticut to host your fights where you ain't got to deal with this million-dollar insurance policy. Knowing you can't pay it, people are just going to have to make the drive. Families going to have to support their um uh, Family members that are fighting on the, on the car and everything. Um, as of right now, that's why, how I see it. I'm looking at this perspective. Just go to another state that's close by, uh, Pennsylvania, the fight in Philly, or Pittsburgh, whatever, May. you can fight in Boston. I mean, there's a lot of things you could do. Because once they see that, once New York sees that they're losing revenue from boxing, they'll possibly start making the changes then to amend that million-dollar insurance policy for the brain injury. And hopefully that could bring boxing back into New York. That's what my eye would do looking at it from this, that standpoint. I mean,
2: and looking at it, but looking at it from this whole UFC or MMA standpoint that they have to pay for their insurance policy for their for their fighters for the car coming up, they have out there. Uh, I'm not sure who who it is headlining, you know. Uh, but as far as that goes, it doesn't seem like it's that overblown. I mean, I mean, well, it, it seems like the uh, other promoters in NYC are. Uh, are in New York are overblowing this thing, man. You know, uh, at the end of the end of the day, it was another forty five grand of overhead. You know, uh, for USC to put to the, to put this on for that that specific policy. Um, uh, I'm like, you know, for the bigger cards, I don't think this will affect boxing. Um, they should be able to still do it. Um, I guess if anything, it may limit the undercards, unfortunately. Um, but like I said, that was 13 fights that UFC had on their, on their whole policy for 45, like, you know, less than 45 grand, you know, for 13 fights, including their main event, whoever it is. So I'm like, you know, boxing needs to, the promoters out there need to take a look at that. Um, with that being said, let me pass it over to Bogart. Uh, him making this fashionably late entrance, as usual, motherfucker. Uh, what's good with you, man? Uh, let me get your take on this.
7: Um, first of all, when the show is over, of course, I will accept your apology. But um, the 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 thing is, and this is to Two K's point about what Bob Barron was saying. You know how you get in a car accident and report it to the insurance company and then you wait to see if they're going to fix it or send you a check to write it off because they feel like it's not worth it. the amount of money to fix it isn't worth what, it's, uh, what the, what, what the car's worth. They just totaled it out. So to Bob Barron's point, main event fights, the bigger name fights, I can see them not having a problem with it. But the problem is you don't have a lot of top-ranked guys. You don't have a lot of top-ranked-type promoters in New York. Doing fights. A lot of these guys are lower second tier level promoters promoting these fights. So, if you're talking on top of how hard it would be to find someone willing to put up that million dollar insurance. So, it's, 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 a, it's a tricky situation, but I agree with Bernard. If you really want to make some changes to it, then simple. You, you know, Philly is right there. Uh, Jersey is, is right there. You know, Boston. Put these fights in other locations because the, the reality is you know, a lot of people feel like this, you know, they put this in play simply to target maybe not even having boxing in New York anymore because they got to know how hard it is going to be for some of these smaller promotional companies to come up with this kind of money. Because for a main event fight, yeah, you put it up. But like you said, the undercard, and most of the reason reason why you have an undercard is to promote your other fighters. So if you're telling me I got to put up this amount of money just for my undercard, now you're looking at one main event, maybe one undercard or no undercard, just a straight main event. But then again, these are the fighters who normally look look at being on the undercard, they miss out. So, I mean, you have a lot of, um, like you said, uh, Lou DeBella just canceled, and and, and like uh, 2K said, you know, I'm waiting on the, the people that to go for Goose and to cancel. Um, Bob Arams right now, like, doesn't have anything scheduled in New York. So it could definitely hurt. Big big fights coming there because again, who's gonna to want to put up that kind of money, especially if you're talking, you know, my like if I put on a fight and my take home isn't gonna be what I'm used to it being because I got to put up this insurance money for these fights. I mean, that could change a lot. So we're just gonna to have to wait and see how it plays out. But until then, you know, I agree with Bernard. You know, take the fights because Philadelphia is not that far, Jersey's not that far, Boston's not that far. So you know what. You take you know, take those fights to those other areas and let's see what happens.
2: Yeah. Um, it's definitely a sad thing, man, Because uh, if you look at it the Barclays was was becoming the mecca like the of uh New York box you know, it was restoring, you know, the cars they had there, especially with the you know, like the Cameron Porter fight being there earlier in the year. Um I'm not sure if Frampton and Santa Cruz was in the Barclays or not. Um but you know, just the, the you know, the fights that have been out there this year that are sold out Gennady Gluck and as well. Um you know, like, you know, the New York needs the be box from you know, beyond just these big main events, like it's not gonna affect those type of fights per se. But you know, as far as the small promotions, you know, and the up and comers, the prospects out there in New York, the locals. You know this is definitely gonna hurt them as far as their their prospects and coming up and you know them having to the add uh the travel expenses the fight in you know Jersey and Philadelphia now, so gotta keep that in mind as well um with like that said we'll we'll go on to our next topic um, it looks like uh yeah, this this one is probably gonna stir the pot, so so yeah, y'all be prepared on this one. Um <laughs> HBO um in top rank came to a, uh an announcement a couple days ago that Terrence Crawford will be defending his uh his uh, that one of forty titles against uh John Molina Junior on December 10th, and I guess this is a fill-in to what was supposed to be the Triple G and Danny Jacobs card in uh, December that was planned for the middleweight title, and this is a replacement belt for that. Um, You know, just to put this interesting spin out there for everybody uh, on the panel to the, the, the talk about it as well, Um. At the end of the day, you got to think what was done. This is PBC speaking with top rank and them coming together on HBO to do a date. So let's keep this in mind as well. Um, Heyman and Bob Aaron working together to put this date together. Um, with that said, let me start with 2 uh, thing on this one.
6: Alright, sorry about that fam. I had to I had to put the uh password back in my phone. I had it on mute. Um I don't have I have no problem with the with this fight whatsoever, um because Terrence Crawford just gave us Victor Postal. Now, let's do a little history real quick, uh, revisiting history anyway. A lot of motherfuckers out there were talking about Terrence Crawford was scared of Victor Postle before that fight actually was taking place. I remember watching videos from cats that I actually talked to on Google Plus, you know, that I respect. You know, they came out with videos saying, oh, Terrence Crawford would never fight Victor Postle. He's terrified of him. You know, uh, Victor Postle was calling him out. Terrence Crawford's giving out, you know, uh, excuses. I even went and posted the an ESPN, um, I think it was the ESPN interview, but it was a. Uh, it was an interview with Terrence Crawford, but it was written into a, in, in an article. And he specifically said if Victor Polson wants to fight, he will fight him next. I put that on multiple cats videos and they still denied the fact and still said Terrence Crawford was scared no matter what. Well, even though with him being scared, he still gave us a big fight. So uh, I don't have a problem with him fighting John Molina Jr. next. I mean, John Molina Jr. did beat Luson Provodnikov, who was a top five fighter in the 140-pound division in his last fight, and he's a former champion, specifically of the WBO. Um, so, I, I mean, a lot of people are like, well, he, you know, Adrian Broner outboxed the shit out of him. There's no reason, you know, for him to go in there and fight Terrence Crawford, where well, there is a small reason While you're right that Adrian Broner did outbox, and Terrence Crawford is obviously better than Adrian Broner. So you use the associative property, A plus B plus yeah, C, yeah. which usually doesn't fucking work in boxing anyway. But John Molina Jr. is always a dangerous fighter. I mean, we can go back to Mickey Bay, who was dominating him for, what, uh, 10 rounds or 9 rounds? I can't remember how long that fight went. But all I know is he dominated him for the entire fight, and then in the last round he got knocked the fuck out. You know what I'm saying? So uh, John Molina Jr., that's a testament to how he's dangerous no matter what or how the fight is going on, um, how it may look at that point in time. Um, So there's that dangerous factor. Plus, John Molina, the way he actually fights um, outside of the Broner fight, that's a different type of style that Terrence Crawford has not yet faced, Um, an aggressive power-punching type of style. He hasn't hasn't faced that yet. Um, Regardless of the fact that John Molina has pretty much lost the majority of his big fights besides the uh, Ruslan-Provodnikov fight, it's still a good fight or a good um, style matchup for Terrence Crawford, and it's also a nice little, you know, stay-busy fight in between Victor Postal and the next big guy that he that he's supposed to fight later. Now, if he fights somebody on John Molina's level after this fight, then I'll have a problem. But the fact that he gave us Victor Postal right before that, I don't have a problem with this. And one more thing before I pass it, I definitely disagree with my man, and I'm going to shout him out to Vaughn. He says that Uh, Terrence Crawford uh, should have entertained uh, a fight with fucking Amir Imam because Amir Imam came out (laughs) and and tried to dog Terrence Crawford for taking on this fight with John Molina. Let me just say something, bro. Amir Imam got his motherfucking ass stretched against Adrian Granados, who's getting ready to fight uh, Adrian Broner next, right? He got he, he got pretty much um the blueprint made out on him against uh, Maldonado. I can't remember his first name, but Maldonado. Blueprint was there in that fight, right before the fucking Adrian Granados fight. A married mom is still a fucking prospect, okay? The guy that he fought last is working with sixteen and nineteen, okay? So how the fuck is he gonna come out and say, Yeah, you know, you fighting bums, scared to fight real niggas like me? How the fuck you going to say that, bro, and you got stretched by a fucking prospect, okay? You actually gave this motherfucker a name, his name credibility to the point where he's in a fucking fight with Adrian Broner now because you couldn't beat him. You still need to show us that you can beat guys like Frankie Gomez and Mauricio Herrera, motherfuckers like that, before you start bumping off at the guns of Terrence Crawford. So this this is a decent fight, man. I have a problem with it. But if you fight somebody of this caliber next, that's when I have a problem.
2: All right, uh, I'm gonna pass it over to uh, Big Cool. You know, let me get your thoughts on this one. Uh, is this uh, yeah, let me, yeah, what are your thoughts on this on this fight card happening in, uh, on December 10th and HBO putting this together and uh, you know the old PBC and top gas but you know coming together. Um, I don't love the fight, but I understand it, and it's just good news, potentially good news because you get top ranking.
4: Even, or Bob Ehrman and Al Haver working together. That only means good news for boxing and boxing fans, so I expect Molina to bring it. Um, he's going to apply pressure, try to make it an exciting fight, and lose, but you know Crawford deserves a fight like this. He, can have, he did fight Postal and dominate him, so I'm not, I'm not thrilled with the fight, but I'm not mad at it because I'm focusing on a long-term goal, and, and that's Al Heyman and I've uh, been working together producing, you know, great fights. Um, that we used to get from them a few years back. So I don't have too so many thoughts on the fight. It's a good fight. Uh, it's good to see Fair fighting here, good young, he, um, he needs to be fighting good three times a year. Mm-hmm. You know, if he'll win this fight, hopefully he fight but uh, be top quality the guys in his next hour. Preferably a Diaz.
2: Um, yeah, you know, that was pretty interesting as well. Uh, that that was something that, you know, with that being said, the PBC and the uh, top rank coming together, that Diaz fight was definitely something that was plausible here. I think, you know, especially considering the dates. You know, Diaz had something. You know, and was planning on fighting on December 10th as well and was, you know, interested in entertaining the date with it being open for Crawford now. Let me get a Bo's take on this one, man. What do you think about that one not being taken, uh, that fight not taking place instead of... What fight fight not taking place? Steven Diaz instead of uh, John Molina Jr. I forgot about that fight Damn.
7: Yeah, uh, it would have been. Shut up, nigga. I'm talking. It would have
6: been. Um, it would have been good. <laughs> Mama, just wait. Wait till to the podcast. I'm gonna beat your ass, bro. <laughs> He's about to give you <laughs>
8: his address.
3: <laughs>
7: Y'all, you all listen. Y'all got to forget my children. Sometimes they forget their place. But um Hey we, uh you,
3: you want his
8: address <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Right. It's Wrigley Field. But um you gotta uh you know
7: listen, I would have liked to have seen the Phoenix Diaz fight. I really would've liked they seen it. It would have been good to see it would have been another version of him fighting another guy like Gamboa. But the reality is this though, and I agree with um the light skinned dude that was just talking.
8: <laughs> the exist, that he
7: just got through Listen, boxing fans Are too fucking picky And they got to cut this shit out First, we don't see enough Of PBC guys fighting top rank guys Okay, now we got your fight Now we mad about who he fighting Then we don't see guys putting stuff on the line Now you, you get guys who want to put stuff on the line And who want to be in big fights And then we now, now we're picky about Who it is and the name and all of this Bottom line is he just got through fighting Victor Poster. Okay, it's not like he's picking an opponent that fucking Danny Garcia has picked.
8: All okay, right.
7: it's not like he ain't picked nobody like that. It's, it's John Molina Jr. who came off of a win, who's a known guy, who's doable, and uh, you know, who can you, you know, who we saw change the way he fought when he fought Ruslan Pavlunikov, then we we know that he also comes to fight and you can't count the, the, the guy out. So, so you know, sometimes I think, you know, people look at something so much so that when you finally give them, you know, you always careful what you wish for. When you finally give them what they want, you know, they're always going to have something to say. And sometimes in boxing, we just have to understand, listen, no matter what you do, you're going to have something to say because how can you tell me he's scared of Victor Postal, which that was the same thing everybody's saying about Danny Garcia. So, He's scared of Victor Postal. He fights him and beat him. Now you complaining about, now that he didn't beat him, he can't get no credit for not only just beating him, now we're tripping about who he's fighting next? Come on, man. I mean, you know, bottom line is, regardless of how you feel about it, it is still a good fight. John Molina is still an active body. Nobody has been able to just run over John Molina. He, you know, he gives you a good fight. He comes to fight. And it's PBC versus top rank, which is what we all ask for. And, again, I'm going to point this out. I hate to say it. It's not like he's picking the motherfucker that Danny Garcia, that Danny Garcia is picking, okay. And as far as that Emiri mom thing, I saw that thing too, and I just glanced over that. I was, uh, I was just like Tavon lost his fucking mind.
2: But I was in a long
6: know. ass, I was in a long ass debate with him over that shit. Yeah. <laughs> You I know what? That, but... I, I, I'm
2: glad I didn't see this shit, man. Cause uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, um, listen, y- y- young, young so Ron, got some, some, yeah, he, he got a belt of Taylor right. like being put on him by grenades, like you know. And, um, and, and and
7: and 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 here's the thing: I get that Iman is a name, okay. But see, the, the thing of it is in boxing is outside the fact that we want to see competitive fights, but, but we want to see fights that we know are also good fights. I have, and I hate to say this, but let's 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 be realistic. Who in here think Crawford will have any problem with Imam? After we saw B level Godos beat him, good out he, so just, he just he's just be a lead level fighter. right? We, he just be a level fighter and Postal. So
3: who really, you know? So,
7: but I mean, at the end of the I day, the I like right this
3: right fight here. though. You got? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I got the tweet right here. I, I'll read it off. I mean, well, you
2: know that was something I, I have mentioned in another one of our shows. Though that I would be interested in seeing uh, Crawford against a uh, Grenados um, personally, exactly. just because of the type of style, you know. Um, right, he, right. Hasn't, he, he hasn't seen anyone like that stylistically, at least from what I have seen in his fights. He may have seen it in his earlier prospect days. You never know. Um, you know, um, but Grenados presents a whole different style that we haven't seen him against as far as, like, the high-pressure uh, Marcos, my da- Dyna, uh high-output guy, um, you know, and that's something I would be interested in seeing Crawford against just the see and stylistically, personally, you know, so I, I still stand by that. Um, as far as that goes, the Molina fight's not not that bad, you know. There's they could have been a worser opponent, like you know, Bo said, as far as uh, you know, look at who is Dan Danny Garcia's fighting that weekend. You know, basically, uh, the undercard is carrying the main event, yeah, they they could could Sam, the
6: it, it, it could have been Sam Eggington. That's who Danny yeah, Garcia yeah. tried to fight. That mark right. is at 140. <laughs> <laughs> a Wolverine oh, man. stuntman
7: yeah. that the same dude Billy Joe Saunders picked. You know, come on,
6: oh, man. Peanut butter hand, man. Yep.
2: <laughs> so, um, you know, I I was I wasn't necessarily thrilled with it just because of how Molina lost the uh, the burner, and I'm like, okay, I could like you know, T.J. said I could see this being a whitewash the same way. So, you know, just thinking like that all that, I was like, okay, I wasn't too thrilled with the fight either. But, you know, like, it's still a quality fight for Crawford, you know, a uh, stay-busy fight, which I think this essentially is for him. Um, you know, I ain't mad at him getting some bread in his pocket, some food change and defending in his hometown either. Um, so, you know, uh that saying let's let's take it on to our next topic. Uh, there's been an announcement. Uh, a pretty nice fight at 175, I must say. Um, I'm not sure what to call these guys. If they're prospects or if they're actually, you know, contenders at the contenders. At the, uh, okay, so okay, we can say they're both contenders right now. Um, 175 is looking interesting, you know, uh, with the latter part of the, the fights this year coming up in that division. And one of them that was announced uh, for December of this year, um, December 16th, the Golden Boys putting on VHS Law of against Sullivan Barrera, which I think is. Probably, I'm probably excited. For, I'm pretty excited for this fight. Honestly, um, I think it's an excellent matchup. Um, with that said, let me let me go ahead and get started. Um, you know who I got to go to first on this uh, <laughs> goddamn Cuba loca. Um, so let me let me get your take on uh, this fight going on with your boy Sullivan Barrera, Cuban boxing school, and uh, Chopransky. Um, first
7: off.
2: Let
7: me just say, yo tengo de mi país. Look, I got to tell the truth here. <clears throat> Although I like this fight, it's a good fight. Uh, Sullivan Barela—he actually changed trainers. He left Abel Sanchez. He's down there in Miami with Rigo and all them boys down there. Yep.
8: Um,
7: it's a da- it's it's a dangerous fight for both of these dudes. Uh, Barrera can punch. Sabrina can punch. Barrera probably will go into this fight with the experience that he took from fighting Andre Ward. But there's a lot of things about Barrera that I see Sobransky can expose. I'm going to take yes, everybody sir. to to the fight that Sobransky when he fought Yuniski Gonzalez. And Barrera sort of fights the same way as Gonzalez. Let's keep in mind, they're from the Cuban school of boxing, but these are not the top Cubans that we're talking about here. These are not the Rigos and the Lauders and the, you know, and uh, uh, all those other, you know, top-cubing guys, okay? So Sullivan Beretta, he throws wide punches. Sullivan Beretta needs to work on his defense a little bit. He's not the fleece of foot. You can outbox Sullivan Beretta, which Sobransky can do. Sobransky has a ten chin. So Beretta sort of depends on his power a little bit too much, and he admires his work. He throws looping punches instead of straight punches. Um, he doesn't go to the body enough. Sometimes he stands a little bit too upright. Now you watch Sobransky against that, you know, against Gonzalez, which 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 was a testimony fight. Gonzalez was hitting him, but he was hitting him in the, he was counter He was in the, he was hitting him in between the exchanges. He was throwing straighter punches as versus through Gonzalez's uh, looping punches. Okay, when he made Gonzalez miss, he was making him pay. So there are things about Baretta that Sobransky can exploit, and I kind of see. And again, I'm I'm going against the ground here. I see Sobransky winning this fight. Okay. Uh, I do understand Sullivan Beretta, like I said, he fought Andre Ward, so maybe he might take that experience in him. But the thing that I didn't like about when he fought Ward, after Ward knocked him down, you saw a change in Sullivan Beretta's complete attitude. His whole mindset changed after Ward knocked him down. So I have to question his mental state of mind as well. So this is a good fight. I'm 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 leaning towards sobransky 60-40. I like this fight, but to me, the winner of this fight can go on and do some even bigger things in the light heavyweight division. Because again, like you said, these are two contenders, two hard hitting contenders, and they're young. So uh, I like it, but this, to me, this could be trouble for
2: Sullivan Barrera. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, with that said. Um... I guess I want to pass it on and get TK's perspective, you know, to get his counter analysis if there's any counter to it, um, or you know, it could be an agreement, you know. So let me let me get your get your take on this whole on this fight happening.
6: Yeah, first of all, I wanna I wanna congratulate my protege, Bo. You know, he looked up to me. Um and his first, uh, his, his his first official fight breakdown. You know, it was decent. You know what I'm saying, but uh, you know, you got a little bit more to learn, brother. Um, but I do agree with my man, though. By the way, very good breakdown. Um, Shabransky, man, he that's pretty much what he is. He's a very good boxer. When I started, when I started watching him, um, against Unieski Gonzalez, the first thing I noticed was, man, this dude is the 175 pound version of Dmitry Pirov. I mean, he looks almost identical to Dmitry Pirog as far as how the basic um his basic abilities are in the ring and how he's able to um show that against his opponent. Only difference is one's from Russia, one's from the Ukraine. It's really the only difference. Dmitry Pirog has better footwork because he's a smaller guy, he has a lot of weight. Um my man sets everything up with the jab, man. I mean e- everything he throws it is set up behind the jab. Um he destroys his opponents with combination punching. Um, there isn't one big glaring punch in his arsenal where I can say um, that's his money punch. His biggest thing is he likes to get get his opponents up against the ropes, and then he actually will throw combinations while they're on the ropes. Against Uniski Gonzalez, he was tagging the shit out that boy in the first half of that fight up against the ropes. I guess his money punch would be the jab because he actually sets everything up with that, but his – His go-to thing is to throw combinations, while he's got opponents up against the ropes. Um, Only problem is, man, he has below average footwork, as I I alluded to earlier. Uh, While he isn't a plotter, he's not a a stagnant fighter, he does stand directly in front of his opponent. Um, I can see guys who use lateral movement, can turn him, can actually jab or throw punches over his jab because he drops his right hand whenever he throws his jab. I can see those type of guys who are able to keep that up for 12 rounds, they can beat him. As Bo said, he has an excellent chin, so I don't see too many guys actually knocking this motherfucker out outside of, you know, maybe a, a guy with Kovalev's power. Um, but at the same time, to basically exploit his weaknesses, I'd have, it, it would have to be a guy who can counter over his jab and use lateral movement to turn uh, Shebranski. Um but with that said, yeah, Sullivan Bedetta, man, he's he's still he's a contender. He's a good fighter. I mean, um, he's not really uh, Bedetta's not ranked in the top ten in any of the four major sanctioning bodies but Shabransky is. Um, but he's still a contender. With that said, and um, with his defensive uh, inadequacies, man, I could see Shabransky outboxing Sullivan Bedetta for twelve rounds. Now. With this move over to uh what's what's his name, Bo um the training team team that he's with uh that Rigo has. I can't never remember his name. Pedro Diaz. Um yeah, Pedro Diaz, thank you. Pedro so, so Diaz. Pedro Diaz, right, Pedro Diaz is gonna teach him how to use his jab, how to utilize lateral movement, how to move his fucking head. Uh <laughs> Sullivan Veretta has absolutely no head movement. He'll teach him that. So I don't know how long he's been with I can't remember when he left uh Abel Gonzalez. Um but hopefully before this fight, a lot of the basic things that he needs to do to beat Shabransky, um, he'll he'll learn that from Pedro Diaz. Um, because if not, this will be another Cuban <laughs> that Shabransky puts under his belt, man. Wait hey, a uh, minute,
8: wait a minute, wait a minute, hey, wait a minute, hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hey, that's real it's tough, a motion, man.
6: Man. Hey. Hey, that's real talk, though, man. That's going to be another Cuban he puts under his belt, man. Like, shit. But that is supposed to be in there getting revenge for Unesky Gonzalez, who at one time was seen as a as the next motherfucker because he was robbed against John Pascal, but then he goes in there and looks stupid against Shebranski, so now he's off the map. You know what I'm saying? That motherfucker, who is Unesky Gonzalez? I don't even know who the fuck that is anymore. That motherfucker off the map hey. You know what, that's a good point, because I, I don't know who the fuck Abel Gonzalez is. I know Abel Sanchez, <laughs> but who the fuck is Abel Gonzalez? <laughs> yeah, but, but see, Solomon Baretta has taken his spot now, okay? So he needs to get that revenge for Yuneski Gonzalez and put another Cuban name in the damn, in the, in the 175-pound division, man. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Good fight. Can't wait to see it. All right. Um,
2: with that said, I'll go ahead and pass it on to Bernard. Uh, what's your thoughts on this fight, brother? Uh, you know, in in, in a, a crowded well, a one seventy five division that has some interesting fights that can be made. This is definitely a good one. Um, let me get your take on what this this fight means as far as placement and and how do they how do they stack against you know the top echelon guys after this fight? Um, let me get your take on that, Bernard.
3: I think it's a great fight. Um, let me say this. I'm gonna say this is a great fight for both fighters. Uh definitely for um Sullivan Barrera to, after he came up with loss for Andre Ward to get another possible another uh top contender. I will um basically whoever wins, I would hope they get a shot at possibly the winner of Kovalev and Ward. Or even a shot at um at Donna Stevenson uh, in the light heavyweight division. Wow, this is uh I wanna say because uh, uh, when I looked at that you need to Keep Gonzalez fight with Gay I kinda felt like Gonzalez had won. That's just my personal opinion. Oh. So huh? No, I'm not go ahead, go ahead. No, no, no. I mean, it's somebody. I mean, I said that's my personal opinion, but whatever it, it, it is, what it is. Um,
2: well, I'm you know, it was, was a majority. Me. It was a majority decision. So just to put that out there, you know, you know was it wasn't a UD. You
6: know, it was UD one UD of them or... clear. It was one of them clear majority decisions, <laughs> though, bro. Like you know, like uh, you know, like uh, Billy Ho Sanders versus. Um, Chris Eubank Jr. was a split decision, but it was one of them clear split decisions. It was kind of
3: like that. <laughs> go, ahead, go ahead, Bernard. Go ahead, dude. No, you're good. You're good. Like I said, it was just my opinion, though. You know what I'm saying? I would have to look at the fight again. Maybe it'll change, but I can't really um, – I digress on that part. But um, like I said, I would like to see the winner hopefully take on Ward or – uh, well, no, with Barrera, because we already saw that fight. We already saw the outcome. I would like to see Barrera possibly get another shot, get another t- top contender before hitting the, um, against the winner award in um, Kovalev. But if Shavosky wins, hopefully he gets a shot at whoever is the light heavyweight champion. And that's my just that's my take on it.
2: All right, um, and I'll pass it over to
1: Big Cool. You just got
4: Hello.
2: Yeah. What were you saying? I just got back on My bad. Alright. Uh we were we were talking about the, the Shabransky versus uh Sullivan Barrera fight. Uh, what's, your, what's your thoughts on that fight going down in December, man and what it means in the one seventy five division?
4: I'm more familiar with uh Barrera. I may have seen Shabransky fights, I might just not put the face in the name. Yineski
8: Gonzalez. Uh
2: um, huh. He went against Yunesky Gonzalez.
4: Oh, okay, okay, what, uh, Um, I mean, Barrera, he's, not, he's a good fighter. Uh, we've seen what he did against Ward. Um, but he's,
0: I don't know. I can't
4: really get too much thought on this because, I, like I said, I haven't seen Shabransky fight too much, and I don't want to make myself sound like an asshole, but um, i have to go look at him on uh, Shabransky and more of Barrera. But based off what I've seen, just knowing that Barrera fought Ward, I think that he will have to have learned something in that fight uh, to just give him a slight edge, just due to the experience. But um, TK did Shebraski uh, beat uh, Gonzalez, which is also a guy who was highly rated coming out of the uh, amateur. So I mean, it had I figured it'd be a 50-50 fight. So those are just
2: my brief thoughts so on it. All right. Um. This is definitely one of the more interesting fights that can be made at one seventy five. Uh there's a there's a lot of good fights that can be made in that division right now. Um, I won't say it's super deep, but um like within that top ten, like yeah, there's definitely a whole lot that could that could be happening. Um so I definitely like this fight and how it helped shape the division. Um, with that said, early on, um you know, um, Shabransky definitely has a lot of a lot of tools. Um, he's pretty pretty fluid for for somebody his size. And you know, I like you know, I like TK was saying, and Bo was saying, uh, it's definitely something that could fluster Barrera because of his lack of hand movement that he's shown in uh, previous fights. Um, but you know, it will be interesting to see. You know, uh, like you said, the Barreras with a new team. I don't think one camp is enough to change um, you know, certain habits, you know. Um it has become repetitive. And, you know, he, he's only been in this is his first camp with, you know, I believe I'm not sure if this Pedro Diaz or Gary Santos but I know he's definitely based on somebody out of Florida now. Um but with that said, you know, it was definitely a good fight, a good bounce-back fight. Barrera wanted something big. It was saying he was being avoided since the board. So, you know, now he's going again against somebody that's a top prospect, you know, both with the same pretty much uh, 17 wins in their career. So Barrera is a couple of years older. Um, Definitely an interesting fight to close out the year, man. Um, So I'm definitely not mad at it at all big up on this fight. Um, Let's go go to our next topic. Uh, I want to get everybody's critique on uh, basically a a statement that's being put out there by a lot of, you know, I won't say it's been put out by boxing media. Well, it has been some of the mainstream boxing media, but now it was uh, actually put out there again by a promoter recently Oscar De La Hoya saying uh two thousand sixteen has been a dismal year for boxing. Um and he pretty much went on to say that you know they're doing, you know promoters in general are doing a bad job of not getting guys names out there. Um, you know uh they they're not doing a good job of promoting these guys and you know I guess the, I don't know if that was him admitting failure. But, you know, he went on the state. I guess this was – it could have been seen as a ploy for him to talk about Triple G and Canelo next year as well. But, you know, with that being said, uh, let me go ahead and pass it on to my panel. Um, let me start off with Bo because um, you've had some interesting thoughts about this before as far as this being said and uh, as far as, uh, you know, the boxers not being promoted in, uh. Or, you know the the Pacquiao Mayweather well, era, you know outside of those two. So I, I wanted to get your take on this first.
7: Well, the reality is what Oscar is saying is total one hundred percent, one hundred percent. In my opinion, complete bullshit. And let me tell you why. And whatever failures happened in two thousand twenty sixteen, we can lay it at Oscars De La Hoya's feet. Oscar De La Hoya, upon Floyd Mayweather's retirement, wrote this long eulogy about how it was the worst era in boxing, how Canelo was going to guide us into a whole new era of boxing, and 2016 was going to be great without Floyd. So if you're telling me it's the worst, then guess what, Oscar? That means you didn't fulfill your fucking promise of making 2016 great with Canelo Alvarez, did you? Also, at the same time, when you had fights like um, we had Leo Santa Cruz and Carl Frampton, we had... um, Thurman versus Porter. Um, you know, we had a lot of a lot of good fights. We 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 just saw Robert Easton Jr. take on Richard Coleman. Um uh you know, we got fights. We we we, we got a fight coming up right now with Andre Ward and, and, and um and uh Kovalov. Okay. okay. Then now we just got the December tenth there was a lot of good fights that took place. Now if one wants to make the argument, okay, well we didn't see a lot of the bigger name fights. Like, uh, you know, Miguel Cotto didn't fight this year, Uh, Marquez didn't fight this year, Um, you know, so, uh, oh, yeah, you know, Timothy, I I think, yeah, Timothy Bradley and Manny Pacquiao happened uh, earlier this year. So, for Oscar De La Hoya to say 2016 was the worst year, yeah, that, that, that rubbed me and bugged me the wrong way. The problem was, did we see the fight we wanted to see? And if that's what you're basing it off of, then that's the wrong thought process as far as I'm concerned, because... Uh, although some people say, well, people feel like one fight makes a year. Like when Floyd Mayweather beat Manny Pacquiao, you got people there to tell you 2015 was a horrible year, just based solely based off that fight. So um, I didn't like the statement that Oscar De La Hoya made. I don't, you know, I I don't like the the fact that you have other people going along with that because the the reality is, if you look at a lot of guys we never heard of, a, a lot of fights that took place with guys that we probably, you know, wouldn't have been able to talk about that wasn't getting shine. I'm going to say this again. I say it all the time. A lot of these guys weren't getting no shine on HBO, okay? So during the Floyd Mayweather-Manny Pacquiao era, instead of these guys being promoted and getting their shine, we were focused on one fight. So a lot of guys got left out in the cold. Well, this year in 2016, like, you know, like we said, you got Robert Hurd. You know, we we we, we seen Robert Hurd come to uh, coming of age. We saw Robert Easton Jr. come of age, okay? Uh, Granados, you know, coming of age. Uh, Oscar Valdez coming of age. Uh, Jesse Vargas coming of age. So, you know, you got a lot of Charlo brothers. So you got a lot of guys that's getting some shine, and we're seeing, you know, we've seen them come through, and we're seeing what they made of. So, to me, 2016 wasn't a bad year. 2016 wasn't now was it a great year? No, but it was a decent year. It's not one where I can look at it and say, oh, it was horrible. No. And then now we we still got more fights to go. So it was a bad comment. But if Austin, La Jolla feels that way, again, I'm laying it at your feet because you told all of us last year, September, October, that that was going to change under your helm and way with Canelo Alvarez, and it didn't. So if that's how you feel, that means you didn't fulfill your promise. So as far as him saying, hey, get these guys guys out there, let's get these guys promoted and all these things, let's keep one thing in mind. Um, a lot of fighters like Andre Ward, Sullivan Barrera. ESPN didn't even cover that damn fight. Okay, um, you got you got a lot of fights that we know personally from talking talking about them. That a lot of these, you know, uh, if it wasn't for social media, nobody would be talking about. Them. Because a lot of fights that we're talking about didn't get covered by some of the more mainstream media type guys. Because the mainstream media guys are only interested in one or two freaking names, okay? So if you want to tell me, oh, well, you know, they're not being promoted right or things of that nature, okay, fine. But who's at fault for them not being promoted right? Because, again, when Thurman versus Porter took place, okay, I got all my information from mainstream media, all right? ESPN, as little as they wanted to, cover as little about certain fights as they want to cover, along with a lot of other major media outlets. So. You know, I disagree totally 100%. But, again, if Oscar feels that way, then it's your fault because the fight everybody wanted to see, you didn't let happen on two
2: occasions. Um, let me get your opinion on this, Big Cool. How do you feel about Oscar piggybacking off of what some of the mainstream media guys have been putting out there? Because, you know, I haven't heard of an actual inside boxing guy saying this until now with Oscar. It's only been something I've seen as far as uh, media outlet guys putting it out there, uh, mainstream dudes. Um, So let me get your take on that Well, What do you think about Oscar piggybacking on that shit? Um, What's your thoughts on that? It's just
4: Oscar being Oscar. You know, um, Oscar's always been annoying. Uh, he's just talking out of his ass. I mean, like, he might be jealous because he doesn't have the fighters he once had when he was working with Al Heyman and Richard Shakespeare. And he also is to blame if it's so bad. Why not just make Triple G Canelo um, this year? You know what I'm saying? Or, or at least put Canelo in fights that's competitive, not fighting Amir Khan and then fighting Liam Smith. I mean, trying to work with Al Heyman to match up some of your fighters with his fighters. So Oscar's just talking you know, and just trying to play both sides of the fence, you know, he he's for whatever makes him, you know, look good, and, you know, it's best for Oscar just to work behind the scenes and and, and be just heard in the background, talking to his people and that thing, because nobody really checks for what he got to say, especially if he's not trying to make Canelo or Triple G fight or Can- Canelo with anybody legitimate in his uh, weight class. It's just Oscar being Oscar. I mean, it's not the best year for Boston, but it's been a great year. We're getting Thurman. I mean, we got Thurman Porter. We got uh, Franklin Crew. We got Marius Crew. I mean, yeah, Marius Crew. We got a lot of great fights. Jacobs, Quillen. And we And getting Ward and, um, in a few weeks. I mean, what more can you ask for? It's just, like I said, it all goes back to when these guys decide to start working together, we'll get more mega matchups. And all this noise about it being a horrible year for Boston will we'll cease until the end. Oscar's gonna continue to keep being jealous. Al's gonna continue to make his money. Same with uh Aaron and, and that's, that's how it's gonna be. Um business as usual 'cause they you know, start working together and then once they start working together you'll hear less negative shit from um Oscar once he got his hand in the pot making money as well. So Oscar's Jitter, he's old and angry and he wants what he had a few years to go back. And unfortunately for him, I don't see that happening no time soon. So, you know, I don't agree with Oscar or whoever else um, saying boxing is the worst year. I mean, 2016 has been the worst year in recent memory. Um, we got a lot of great fights. And, and like both said earlier, we still not finished with 2016. So the best is yet to come. And, you know, forget what Oscar got to say. negative about the sport. He helped get to, you know, a high point.
2: All right, um, let me pass it on to uh, T.K. on this one. Though. What are your thoughts on, on this whole thing being put out there about 2015 being a dismal year for boxing? And, um, you know, basically Oscar ascribing to, to this notion now, you know, it's kind of been put out there previously. But, you know, as far as him being a promoter and, you know, this and him being, you know, so critiquing, I don't know if this was a self critique or I don't know what they really think
6: of it, honestly. And let me get your thoughts on it. Well, first, first of all, there ain't really nothing to think about it. Uh, listen to who, look at who fucking said this. Uh, I, I'm surprised that our responses are so fucking long and we spend so much time on this topic. First of all, correct me if I'm wrong, which I'm probably not wrong. Wasn't the most marketed fight that Golden Boy put together this year was Fucking Canello versus Liam Smith. Am I Pre- correct on that? Pre- yeah. so, 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 this is the most marketed fight that Golden Boy has put together. While we've had other big ass fights happen this entire year from other promotional companies, right? We've actually had two fights that in 2015 we didn't even actually think they would happen. You got fucking Sergey Kovalev and Andre Ward. And you got fucking uh, Terrence Crawford and Victor Postal. Those are two fights we didn't even think would ever happen back in Preach. 2015. So Preach. so, so what, the, what the fuck are you talking about? If this guy had, if this guy had put together some big fight in 2016 uh, uh, from the perspective of the fan base, and then he came out and said, no, I appreciate y'all's support, but I think this is a down year for boxing. Okay, then. Then his word will be credible. But this motherfucker's biggest fight was a fight that was the easiest fight for me personally to call. Bro, I could have put $10,000 on Canelo and not even been worried. I'd have just been watching the fight like I didn't put no money on nobody. That's how easy it was to call that fight. And that's the most marketable fight or the biggest marketing fight that Golden Boy put together this year. Get the fuck out of here, Oscar. Go sniff some cocaine, dog.
2: (laughs) Damn. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a cold, cold blooded on that one, man. Um, <laughs> yeah. Let, let the church say amen. It yeah. We're going to go ahead and pass it over to, to Bernard to get, get his take on this whole situation and why you think. The media has put that out there, man. Like, what? Well, why is it that they they've actually tried to play on and harp on this and ma- make this? You, you know what?
3: Point? I actually was gonna speak on this. I'm gonna speak on this later on in the final blow. And
2: because I got a lot of things to say. Okay, okay, cool, say cool. So I will definitely. Say this, I understand I wanna, if you want to reserve. So. Yeah, yeah, but I want to
3: say one thing. Worst promoter of the year should go to.
2: Oscar De La Hoya and go to Board Promotions. That's all i <laughs> Mind you, they are putting on the uh Shebransky and Barrera fight. So that that that's probably the that's me, their best me, fight hey. this year in my opinion. But that's not their, their most.
6: That's not that's not their most market hold on, brother, that's not their most marketed fight though. No, but that's, they're, their, they're best, best, that's, that's a, their
2: best matchup. That's their best matchup this year. I'm just saying that, you know, it, you know.
3: I mean, I wanna say this and I I mean I'm just asking a question. who Su K I thought their most marketed fight was the Amir Khan, the Canelo fight. I thought that was the most that's marketed
6: fight. That's true.
5: Okay. That's true. That's
3: what I said. That's what I said, correct me if I'm wrong.
6: So sorry. American Canelo, a fucking fight that all of us knew what the outcome was gonna be again. <laughs>
8: okay. True. In, in, in,
6: in, in a fight where the top guy was waiting to land one goddamn punch. And
3: he landed it.
6: Exactly. Lights out. But one,
3: I can I can answer
6: I can answer that question you said. Basically, the reason why the media put this shit out there is because this was one of Al Heyman's biggest years. And they're sitting there trying to, the media, the mainstream media has been trying to make Al Heyman look like he is a gimmick in the sport of boxing ever since he fucking started, okay? So anything good he does, the mainstream media is the first motherfuckers in line to sit there and try to slam what he has done to make him look bad. That's why they're talking about this shit. And they're giving Oscar De La Hoya, a guy who ain't really done shit in the the year of 2016, credibility, because it makes Al Hammond look bad. Now, I'm not no big-ass, diehard Al Hammond supporter, but what I do, I don't support any entity in boxing 100%. You know, I see everybody equal, but what I do support is the fact that I'm able to turn my motherfucking television on, you know what I'm saying, and, you know, go to Channel 3 and watch boxing. You know what I'm saying? That's what I do support. And it just seems to me that the mainstream media, they don't support anything Al Heyman is doing regardless of the fact that what he is doing is making boxing. uh, It's, it's putting it more in the spotlight. It's giving people who don't really watch the sport an opportunity to see it on regular television. And that's what he's done. He's put good fights together in 2016 on regular fucking television, man. You can't beat that. But that's what the media tries to do. They try to shit on anything good that Al Hammond
7: has done. That's what they're, that's what they're talking about. You know, to um, piggyback off what 2K said, when the article came out by Dan Raphael about Showtime's fight lineup, there was a small sentence where it said, in association with PBC. That was the most notoriety he fucking gave it. But then, we, we as it turns out, we heard that they might put um, one of those fights, I think it's Garcia and Thurman, on CBS. Dan Rafael didn't write shit about that. Nothing. We heard nothing
2: about that part Oh? Yeah. Um, I guess what that said, man, uh, it's definitely weird to see that being said. You know, uh, I think Oscar was good in this critique of saying that it's, you know, giving the promoter's blame. You know, I'm glad he, I don't know if he was including himself in that, that he should have. You know, um, but him putting it on, on, on the promoters, you know, and them not necessarily, uh, you know, it's not even the promoters, you know, we'll say the networks, the networks were actually big on hyping those two fighters at that time as well, as far as Mayweather and Pacquiao and not really promoting others or marketing as much, uh, others as they would have in previous, uh, eras of boxing. um, so, you know, um, I think one thing that media needs to be responsible in doing, these mainstream guys were saying 2016 has been a, a dismal year. You need to put out the full the full spectrum of why. You know, it hasn't been because of your disdain for P V C and their uh, activity of 2015. You know, it's had a lot more to do with, the the budgets that other entities are dealing with, you know, and you, you haven't pointed that out enough, you know, if that's, if there's a reason for 2016 being dismal, point out, uh, you know, you want to point out mismatches with one entity, you need to point them out with all of them, you know, uh, the discrepancies that, you know, budgets that, uh, you know, limit the matchups we've been, been able to see on some of these networks. You know, you need to point out all of those things and, you know, um, I guess that's one of the reasons why I got into what we're doing, you know, especially the writing part, because it's, you know, these are things that I get to address, you know, in my articles personally. So, you know, with that said, man, uh, I definitely cannot agree 2016 has been a good year for boxing for me personally, you know, um, I, I've seen a lot of fights I've wanted to see, you know, cover fights personally. Um, you know, I, I've been, I've been satisfied, you know, especially with what's coming up with the latter part of the year with the, uh, you know, Kovalev and Ward in a couple of weeks, uh, we got Lomachenko Walters, um, you know, we we just got a lot of good stuff coming up, man. So, you know, I'm 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 happy with 2015, and you know, we can go ahead and take it on to our our next topic, man, which is going to be a pretty interesting one. <clears throat> you know, we talk all things boxing here. You know, we just put that out there. We we don't uh, stray away from any topics. You know, with that said, we got a good topic here. Steven Espinoza of Showtime, uh, he put out a statement recently saying, uh, you know, in 2017, he he's interested in bringing, um, you know, some women's boxing to their network on Showtime, you know, with fighters like Ella Hardy and Amanda Serrano. Um, with that said, you know, let me pass up on to TK. Um, he, he's an avid fan of women's boxing. You know, I am as well. I like watching it. That's the Amanda Serrano. I'm a huge fan of hers. Um, Let me pass it on to TK, man. Let me get your thoughts on that Espinosa statement.
6: I think it's good, man. Um, Having, um, um, we're talking about women's boxing, right? I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, having women's boxing on uh, on the network, man. That's a great thing. You know, I'm a a big advocate for women's boxing. I I believe that it should have already been, uh televised more um ever since the Christie Martin era uh before the Leila Leila Ali era and then when Leila Lee did come in and uh dominate boxing it should have definitely been on 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 uh network television it's just like uh women's basketball i made this comment to my co-host uh Seth, on our channel um women athletes tend to have more passion um, and they're more serious about their craft than men athletes are in their respective uh, uh, professional sports. Uh, for instance, women's basketball, um, they play their fucking hearts out as if they haven't even made the WNBA yet. Uh, maybe it could be because of money. They're not being paid, you know, millions and upon millions of dollars like a lot of the scrub-ass niggas in the NBA are. But... You know, I think I think there's only like four women in W in the WNBA that get paid over one million dollars, the rest of them are getting salaries like, like myself, um, where I work at. So I mean they play their hearts out. And the same thing with boxing, they fight their hearts out. Um they're in there giving it their all in front of like ten people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And and the best fighters in women's boxing like Cecilia Bracus. Um, you know, Mia St. John at one time, you yeah, Leila Lee, yeah, and Sophie Mathis. Um, yeah, my girl that just went to the UFC, I got a brain fart right now. Holly Holm. She was a, a I think she was a two divisional champion at one point in time. I mean fighters like this, you know, who who have dominated boxing and wolf, you know, they're fighting in front of ten, twenty fucking people, man. It's 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 an overdue situation. Um and they need to get that they, they need to get it under wraps. So Showtime I think is the right network to do it, man. They've they've already um they've already kind of taken a hold of the uh the boxing world as far as network network uh 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 resources have have come into play. They're better than HBO. Um, so I think they're the right network to do it. As far as also one more thing, as far as uh, Rock Nation and main event. Uh, putting the Kovalev and uh, Sergey Kovalev and Andre War fight together, and then letting Clarissa Shields open. I don't think that fight is televised.
2: But if no, they were tele,
6: yeah, I if they were to that, tele- was, that that was thing, That was
2: actually something I had mentioned on on our, our show last week. Um, that I was one of the things I was disappointed about was that it's not televised. You know, on, on the tele-
6: televised part of the uh,
2: card.
6: Right, right. I remember. If they would have televised that, that would have been a great start for what Steven Espinosa wants to do for Showtime. And I mean it I it's like I said, it's something that's overdue and I hope I hope he goes through what he says, man.
2: All right. Um let me go ahead and uh, pass it on to the Bernard on this one. Uh, what's your thoughts on uh, women's boxing being brought to the networks? Um, you know, we had a, a major event well, I won't say maybe a bit, but I'll say we'll have – we had a, Heather a Hardy, you know, televised on, you know, regular television earlier in the year, you know, um, post – I, I want to say it was the Spence card in New York uh, where she was televised afterwards. Um, yeah, I so yeah. don't remember
6: the main event. Yeah, but I remember the fight. Yeah, I know what you're talking about.
2: Yeah. So, she got,
3: expo- so she got exposure during the uh, Olympics, right?
2: Hardy no. Uh she has been on a couple of T V C cards. Uh you know, I seen her at the at the Sean Porter and Keith Thurman fight. She fought on that card as well. Um, against one of one of my homegirls out here from Denver, uh, Christy Simmons. Uh, you know, I, I watched that fight personally. Um okay. but Hardy's been uh been promoted by Luda Bella pretty hard. Um uh, well, probably one of the, the bigger names up and coming are, I guess, prospects coming up in women's boxing. Um, not a titleist yet, but she's definitely well promoted with Lou Bella right now.
3: And she has the potential to become a um, titleist. Um, I think it's a great thing, more exposure for those that, like me, I'm not really familiar with. All the female boxers, I'm hearing names here and there, so I got to go back and do my research, which I have no problem doing. But I think it's a great thing because I support all things boxing. Uh, women boxing is good for the sport, it's a good thing. Um, you know what? I'm going to say this for those young girls that like boxing and up and coming, they'll get to see potential um, female role models they can look up to if they decide to go into the sport as well. So I think that's a great thing in that aspect. Um, the exposure, of course, Showtime, I think it's a good thing for them. That brings another, possibly bring more fans to their channel as well. And, um, as, uh, with that being said, it's nothing else, man. I, I can't think of nothing else. Um,
2: I think it's a great thing, though. Yeah, I'm definitely glad you brought up that uh, point as well. About uh, about as far as bringing some some new fans, uh, you know, women's fans are huge. That they're huge fans in uh, MMA, so actually televising women's boxing, you know, you may bring in their their segment or that sector into the fan base a little bit more. Um, oh, want I, your I wanted to I want to go ahead,
3: Bernard, and I'll I want to say something else. I apologize for this. Um, if you understand, Stephen, that also does work with Showtime, but let's not forget Showtime is on the Viacom that also, which is uh, the owner of CBS as well. So there's a possible chance if that women's boxing may be on um, CBS as well. As pretty much, I would say, as possibly after as the football season, but let's look to see that because it. Is being brought on Showtime right now. Let's see if it's going to um, move to another network as well as um, CBS. So I think that's a good thing—a good thing we can look forward to as well.
2: Uh, All right. Uh, you also brought up another point as well as about uh, you know, uh, women having role models or you know, little girls having girl role models as far as uh, boxing. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to get your partner in times, uh perspective on this because, you know, he has a, a young daughter himself that's taking a keen interest and liking to the sport of boxing. So I know you probably have some interesting thoughts on uh, as far as what Espinosa said with bringing that onto the networks. Uh,
8: man, I
7: I think it's a great idea. Listen, um, and 2K said earlier, you know, the, the future of, of women boxing um, you know, is something that we all have been waiting to see come up and arise. During the Christy Martin era, although it was, you know, it was good for women's boxing, but if it wasn't Christy Martin, then nobody else, you know, got no shine. Same thing with Layla, uh, Layla Ali. Nobody else got no shine. You know, I'm hoping that um, uh, Chris—I uh, mean uh, Shields can change all that because, you know, Cecilia Brackett, like I said, she fought in her home country. 9,000 people came out to watch her. She put on a great show. And from that, you know, we should have been, like, something should have been done to where people can look at and say, man, listen, this woman just set a, you know, set a record. Over in MMA, you got women fighting over MMA is being main evented in some cases, and some of them are being, like, right up underneath the undercard as co-main events. How come boxing, you know, isn't doing something like that? So I definitely think it's a good move. The future of boxing, of course, is my daughter. But uh, <clears throat> I definitely think it's a good move. Um uh, uh, my daughter, has been, she has been influenced by that, by the way. she she would, We sat and we watched Cecilia Brackers. Uh, we, uh, we watched um, Andre Ward. She actually went to the Andre Ward fight when he fought Sullivan Beretta. Um, you know, we watched the Olympics together. So you have um, the the chance and opportunity to really make an impression on younger generation type uh, type people. And 2K says something that is very, very good also. The thing about women athletes, they are fundamentally sound. They are more fundamentally sound sometimes than men. When you when I watch the yeah. WNBA, when I watch the WNBA, they do a basic bounce pass. A basic bounce pass. They don't try to get all fancy and, and you know and, and, and all of that stuff. And, and it goes wrong. They stay fundamentally yeah, sound. Look at look, you know, at their
2: shooting. Their outside shooting percentages compared to men right. in the NBA. You know, well, like not not they, just, they, just that. Actually, look at their pick and roll. They pick and roll.
7: is perfect. You know, they get perfect, pick and roll. They create space very, very beautifully. Then you watch fighters like you said. You watch Clarissa Shields. You watch Cecilia Brackett. When Cecilia, like you said, if Cecilia Brackett that fought Mathis, even though she was aggressive, but she was still, she was so effectively aggressive that she was able to do something we never saw her do and still be dominant doing it. Like, we saw a different, a different game plan of her, but she, she sticks to the basic. Holly Holmes, when she beat when she beat um, 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 Ronda Rousey, she beat Ronda Rousey doing basic stuff, moving, throwing the jab, picking her off, yep. moving, throwing the jab, picking her off, moving. So, yep. you know, they're funda- women athletes are fundamentally sound. So I like it. It's a good move. The, the, the problem that I think women um, boxing is going to have is in today's world, we have bloodthirsty type fighters who want to see these knockouts. And it's a shame that a woman like Ann Wolfe isn't around today because that's what she was doing. Oh, my God. Yeah,
8: you know, it's know
2: Right. What? I definitely agree with Bo as far as uh, the women being uh, real fundamentally, fundamentally sound. Like, I take it back to, you know, the early days of women's boxing. Like, you know, you look at Christy Martin, like her combinations were off the fucking hook.
8: You know, what I'm
2: saying, uh, you know, one of my favorite women's boxers uh, earlier, you know, in early times was uh, Chris Bird's uh, sister. Sister, right? Like, yep. Yeah, like, you see her, like, she was fucking. Like, she, was she was an, an awesome division, inside like, pocket fighter. Yeah. She, she was like, an inside pocket in. fighter like nothing and, I've ever you seen. You know, that's, that's what I see in Clarissa Shields. And as far as the division, you know, she's going to be in, in uh, middleweight. Um, she definitely has the ability to to, to bring that kind of you know that look to this era of right. women's boxing. Um, you know, like I said, Amanda Serrano, four division champion in women's boxing. Right. You know, Cecilia Brackett, Shania Johnson. You know, don't forget you know, Shania Johnson. Yeah. You know, you know, you know we got Raniya <laughs> Jeffrey. You know, we got a lot of good women boxers out there. Um, very good techni- technically. Um, so I'm definitely glad Stephen Espinoza is putting this out there. Uh, we've seen some minor things, like I said, as far as Heather Hardy being televised this year. And it taking it a step further, like I said, uh, a women's fan fan base will, will be, is needed for the sport. Man, it will boost it. You know, look, at they contribute to the MMA fan base. Why not do that, you know, bring that to boxing?
7: But you know women
2: fans are better fans than
7: men fans because women fans support you a lot better than men fans do. Absolutely. I
2: uh, um, I didn't even get uh the uh assessment on this man, so let me go ahead and pass it over to him, man. My bad on that, dog. Oh, uh, you could
4: I'm not a big follower of uh, women uh boxing, but I am um Glad that this is happening. They should definitely get uh, their right to be spot, you know, spotlighted on Showtime to show their talent. I um, watched the, you know, of course, Layla Lee and Wolf fight. Uh, but like I said, I don't follow women's fights like that. But I definitely think that this is a great uh, idea, and hopefully, come to fruition from, um, from Stephen. Stephen ain't the only for Showtime to get a, uh, the female fighters a platform to showcase their skill because there are a lot of talented, uh, you know, female fighters out there. I'm excited about her pro debut And a little over two weeks on the undercourt of Colette Ward, and I think that uh, it can't usher in the fans, especially the female fans, uh, the hardcore female boxing fans, to have somebody to look up to as a commercial chef or, I it, you know, the other fighters that was named. But um, I think it's a great idea at Showtime trying to,
2: you
4: know,
2: make a power move with the women, which is great. <clears throat> yeah, so that's my that, that that shields fight is definitely something that uh they should have televised on that car. Like I said, that's something I'm I'm not really happy about that they're not televising her fight. She uh really needs to to have that spotlight to showcase her skills. Like her skill set, like I said, is little, like you guys are saying women's are 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 fundamentally sound. Her skill set is, is out of this world. You know, so in the in her age, twenty one, she on two times. She's And you got to remember, you know, she she's from a fighter state, Michigan. So like to support this girl. She she she's she's about positivity. You know, the Flint water situation, all that. You know, she's bringing a, you know positive attention to all that. Um, there's a lot of good causes with this man, so uh, I definitely hope they 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 amend their decision somehow prior to this card being televised in a couple weeks. And definitely, you know, a four round bout, you know, is going to be exciting with her skill set. So definitely go that extra round and make it a card to remember, man. Because you know, outside of the main event. Nothing really to talk about on that card, so go you know that extra mile. Um, hey, who was
4: her
2: hey, to promoter? Or you know, is she um, I'm been? not sure. I don't think she's even signed with Rock Nation um, or anything like that exclusively. Like mm-hmm. I haven't heard anything about that, and this was all pretty last minute things with her uh, making her professional. Yo, I
3: thought Rico was on the car. Shop.
2: Nah, I don't think he is either. Oh,
3: wow.
2: Isn't Curtis Stevens on it? Curtis, De- I want to <laughs> say Curtis Stevens. I know Curtis Stevens. Yeah, he's fighting James DeLarosa. I don't know how James yeah. Rosa got on there. I
4: disrespect yeah. this
6: him, but yeah, that spot could have went to uh, Reggie. <laughs> uh, hey. hey, fellas, I'm looking at um an article right now. Rock Nation is basically stating that they will sign Clarissa Shields if she wins this fight on the
2: undercard.
5: Okay, okay. That's okay. good
2: news right there, man. So that, that's a good look, but they're not putting out a, a lot of shows either uh, at this stage. No, they're not. So, I, I, like I said, I'd like to see her keep her options open as far as who yeah. she signs with even after this fight. That's probably something we're, we're going to pick up on another show um, in a couple of weeks, you know, post fight. Um, So we won't dive into that one now. Uh, Let's go ahead and take it over into our next topic. Uh, And we're going to stick with our man, Stephen Espinoza, with Showtime, man. Uh, He's trying to make some moves over there at Showtime. Um, He also said in another statement, um, he wants to make a 140 fight between Adrian Brunner and Mikey Garcia next year. Um, Garcia has been Has said he was intending to move To 140 um, He just wanted to capture a title at 135 First So he'll probably do that um, I guess he'll he'll try to do that Against Zlatan uh, Canaan No easy task coming up for him Just to put that out there But um, with that said man uh, What are your thoughts on what Espinoza Is trying to do with these big fights With Showtime CBS Man you know Garcia, Thurman, next year already being talked about. Broner, Grenados, you know, DeGale, Jack, Williams, Charlo. Man, you know, now you got this one being thrown in the mix as well for next year. Um, you know, what are y'all thoughts on what Espinosa's is trying to get done over there? Uh, I'll start off with uh, being cool on this one. And you doing what you're supposed to do. Um, he was hired to
4: bring excellent uh, content to Showtime's sporting uh, department, and that's what he's doing. And I'm glad his vision is kind of on par with what we, what us fans, are wanting to see. And I would love to see if Mikey Garcia, agent going to fight sometime next year. I know that, um, Garcia, mentioned him. I think brought his name some in the past. And, like the Showtime is kind of, it took a little break, and now they come back with a boom. We get Thurman Garcia you know, March fourth, I believe. On um, you know, yeah, broader, yeah. Get both of the, you know, ages each other. We get Brandon Cruz too. DeGale, I mean, not, yeah, DeGale and so I mean, he's doing his he job. He's hired to bring quality uh, fights to Showtime, and that's exactly what he's doing. So that's what I expect. Um, anybody that's you know, hired in a position of that much power to do So like I said, I love his business. I love it his willingness to make uh, the top fights that we want to see, and I like, hope uh, we can get that first year on the fight. Uh, but I'm definitely looking forward to showtime with Skip to Close out this year and uh, open up next year, uh, uh, next
2: year's uh, Boston season with Jack and DeGayle. All right. Um, let me uh, pass it on the boat and get your perspective uh, on this angle, man. uh as far as uh, you know, HBO's had their budget woes this year. So what do you think as far as showtime being willing and trying to bring these kind of fights such as Broner and Garcia being mentioned now, um, and them being having the you know, I guess the spending power at the moment to do it, or at least the willingness to do it. Um what do you think that means for them and their prospects in, in boxing in the future as far as even subscribers are them, you know, being leaders in the sport?
7: I think the one thing everybody got to understand is the viewing of boxing in the mind of Showtime. And this is what I mean by that. First off, let's make it very, very clear. Showtime is willing to give Steven Espinosa the helm because it was a smart idea what they did when they brought Floyd over. They made a ton of money with Floyd being over there and then the Manny Pacquiao. We've seen the results of the money they made from the Pacquiao fight, like we said. They took home damn near more everything. More than they, yeah, more than they expected, <laughs> too. Right. You know, they took home damn near everything, and HBO only walked away with $9 million. So they're putting a lot of trust into Espinosa because of that success on that part. They're also... They got into the Mayweather, Al Heyman business for this right here. But what I was talking about the mind frame of Showtime is, Showtime mind frame is if 500,000 people watch a boxing match, that's good for us. HBO mind frame is we need a million plus, otherwise it's horrible. Showtime was never involved in the pay-per-view, okay? So if the, when they did 700K with Robert DeGos Guerrero, then they did 500K with Floyd, They still view those as success because, you know, that's how they view it. They view their success on a different scale than other networks would view a success of boxing. And you can call it the little brother syndrome or the little little sister syndrome or whatever. But the the bottom line remains is they have been able to take a model, an idea, a framework, and build it into something that we're seeing the results of that now over an extensive period of time. People forget the Super 6 tournament, who all was involved in it and where that took place. Uh, Gary Russell, um, um, Castillo versus um, Diego Corrales, and you know, all, you know a lot of other great fights were happened over on Showtime. So they've been consistent with their model and their idea, which is why now they're able to expand out more. And we're getting these fights going into 2017 because they've maintained decent relationships with people that can put them in a position to have these kind of big fights on their network. So uh, 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 it just goes to show that when you have a network willing, able, and capable to keep an open mind, not follow the – not told the mainstream media line, but maintain what their perspective is, these are the, these are the things that you can get and what can happen. You know, uh, another fight, which is the Leo Santa Cruz Frampton fight, the undercard is Abner Morris and Cuellar. Okay? So, or, yeah, I think it's Abner Morris and Cuellar. And then, yeah. you, like you said, you have the Mikey Garcia fighting for a title. Mike Garcia comes back to make one fight. Now he's fighting for a title, which is what Mikey Garcia wants to do. Okay? Now you have, like you said, you, now you got him thinking uh, Adrian Broner versus um, Mikey Garcia at 140. Okay? Which, of course, a Broner got to get past his guys. But when when you hear that fight, it makes you want to watch that versus Broner versus Ricky Burns, okay? Then now now we you know Top Rank and PBC is working together. Maybe maybe we'll see a Mikey Garcia and Terrence Crawford at 140. I mean, who knows? The possibility is endless. But the fact that you have, you know, Stephen Espinosa and the guys at HBO is trusting him at the helm, and he, his mindset is I want to make not just, you know, best fights but also put some quality fights on together. And now this is this is what we're seeing and it's the result of not following the the regular basic mainstream media talk line and having having a mindset, having a model and sticking to that. And now we're seeing what's happening.
2: Yeah, you make a good point, but uh, as far as uh you know, guys like uh, you know, Todd Rank being able to work with the uh, TBC right now. You know, if you look at it, you know, uh, Todd Rank, their fighters aren't exclusively signed to HBO. You know, they fight majorly on there on that network. But you know, uh, we can't see that that olive branch extended because of Espinoza's position that he's taking on the uh, growing the sport. So I'm definitely uh, glad at the direction they're taking. Uh, As far as Broner versus Garcia, excellent fight, man, at uh, 140. Um, Like I said, Garcia has a good pass. His match at 135 first, but, you know, it's all in prospect right now. 2017 realistically might be too soon, unless we see it in the latter part of the year. But, you know, um, definitely a good fight, you know, and uh, I'm glad he's interested in making it. Um, we still got a lot of topics to cover, so we're going to try and move on. Uh, you know, we got our divisional spotlight to cover, uh, which is going to take some eat up some ground. So this week we're talking about the 126-pound featherweight division, man. Uh, definitely a lot of interesting names out there. Of course, uh, Loma Chingo was lost. Um, You know, to 130, you know, he is one of the bigger names at 126 as well as uh, Nicholas Walters, you know, who moved up to 130 as well. Um, So it's lost somewhat of this uh, glamour minorly, you know, but it's still a pretty nice division. Um, Let me get everybody's thoughts on this division, man. You know, uh, you know, let me uh, list off the champions first. You know, in the WBC, we got my boy, one of my favorites, uh, Mr. Russell, Gary Russell Jr., um, the WBA champion. We got a uh, super champion, Carl Frampton, and regular champion, Jack K. IBF champion, uh, the Wilsh Mayweather. I don't know how the hell he got that nickname, uh, Lee Selby you know, IBF champ, and with the WBO, you know, we got up and coming and probably one of the more promising guys at 126 right now in Oscar Valdez. Um, let me get your thoughts on this division, TJ, and uh, how you see it playing out and unfolding in the long run. Well, there's a
6: lot of fights that I want to see in this division, and actually I was kind of um, a little upset that um, – uh, what's his name, Basil Lomachenko, had left. Because I really wanted to see the Gary Russell rematch after Gary Russell beat Johnny Gonzalez and became the WBC yeah. champion. I really wanted to see that rematch. Um, you know, Gary Russell's been in the media recently stating that he'll go wherever Lomachenko wants him to go. If he got to go to 130, he'll go there. But um not sure if that fight will get made. So you've got, you know, Carl Frampton, of course, and Leo Santa Cruz, that rematch is coming up. Lee Selby, who is now my favorite U.K. fighter after Carl Frampton pulled the shit that he pulled against Rigo or, or you know, re- referring to fighting Rigo. Lee Selby has moved into my number one spot as, as one of my favorite uh, U.K. fighters. You've got, um, of course, SS uh, Cuellar, who's getting ready to fight Abner Mades. Um, a, a guy that nobody really mentions is Joseph Diaz Jr. That guy's very really good fighter. Uh, he's up to coming, just like Oscar Valdez is. Um, undefeated, twenty-two, 0 With thirteen knockout, very good fighter. I see him giving trouble um, to a lot of these top fighters if he can actually get that shot. Um, I, I, he probably needs a little bit more uh, uh, experience with contenders under his belt. Joseph Diaz Jr.
2: Okay, Jojo Diaz. Okay, yeah. yeah,
6: yeah, yeah. I think he needs a little bit more experience with
3: some contenders.
6: Um, but I, I I could see him giving a lot of the top fighters a little bit of trouble. Um, another guy that a lot of people are glossing over that I don't hear them <laughs> talking about. I'ma fuck his name up, but y'all with me? Sempiwe Bedyeka. Nobody's talking about this dude. Okay, he did lose a technical decision to Nanito Donaire.
8: But this is a know. guy.
6: This is a guy that ended Chris John. Y'all remember that name, right? Yeah, Chris John yes long, long WBA super championship run. He ended it. Okay, he ended it with a fucking tech, uh, TKO, technical knockout. So, Sapir with Vinyecka, man. It, even though you know he's thirty-five years old, he's still a live body. He's on a three-three uh, three fight win streak. Um, all three of those guys are live bodies, they are not bums. Uh, the fights were in his in his his native country. But i like to see him, you know, come out of that shell after the Donera fight. And, and, by the way, that fight, the Donera fight, man, all judges had Donera up. But that fight was kind of turning its tide a little bit. Um, Vidieca was actually starting a little good at the time of the stoppage. So, I mean, we could possibly see a rematch between those two since that, that, that fight stopped on the technicality. Um, you know, like I said, there's a lot of other guys, those guys that I mentioned that Swan mentioned, I'd like to see him fight them. Actually, Vidyeka would be a nice stepping stone for Joseph Diaz or Oscar Valdez, uh, Jorge, uh, Jorge Lara as well. I mean, I, there's 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 a lot of uh, options there, but I'd like to see Gary Russell fight the winner of Carl Frampton and Leo Santa Cruz. That's what I want to see next. Um, hopefully we can get that fight. Um, But, yeah,
2: 126, man, it's a hot division. It's one of the hottest divisions in the sport, in my opinion. I mean, the sad thing is Gary Russell is probably the supreme and premier talent in that division right now, but he's not going to get his just-d because of motherfucking Carl Franton's ass. Yeah. Like, you know, you look at the rematch with Santa Cruz coming up, if he's successful who is he going to try and defend against? He's probably going to try and go against uh, or make it all UK thing against Lee Selby as opposed to taking on uh, Gary Russell. So my boy is the odd ah, man now, and, like, I hate it because he's, he's got the, the the green belt. You know, he's the king of kings right now in that, that division. And, you know, it seems like don't nobody else want to fuck with him. Um, And, you know, ultimately, my my I think the the two supreme talents in that division are... Gary Russell Jr. and Oscar Valdez. Uh, right now, that's just my, my take on it. At the end of the day, those are the two supreme guys. Um, you got guys like the Oscar Askendone Oscar and the Robinson Castellanos. Um, yeah. Those are two of my favorite guys in the division as well. You know, that's actually Gary Russell's mandatory at Eskindon, Um but no telling what's going on with that situation at the moment. Like Tuesday said, Jojo Diaz definitely a tough dude. You know he's a bad boy, up and coming. Um, yeah, Eric Hunter. Who? Oh yeah, Eric. Hunter. You yeah, know yeah, Eric yeah, Hunter, definitely. who just called Lee Shelby. Yeah. yeah. You got Carlos yeah. Zambrano. Yeah. Yeah, Josh you got Josh Moreington. He's another good one. Ryan Rios, another another mm. tough dude. Um, let and me Carlos Zambrano. On, uh, yeah, but yeah, let me let me get you. I guess you throw names out there, so you give you your take <laughs> on the division and how you see it playing out, man. Well,
7: this is, this is you know, the 106.6-pound division. Man, you covered this division intensively one time. And, um, you know, one of the reasons why we talk about why I probably don't get looked at as much is because, you know, uh, historically the smaller weight divisions were never really looked at by most Americans. But, man, I like this division, like you guys are saying, man, you know, you got uh, Shelby. You got Zad Val- Valdez. Uh, Jojo Diaz was. Uh, I saw him when Ring TV did a live stream of fights, and he was on. And and he was on there. So I've been following him on there. You know, like I said, Carlos Abrano. You you know, you still got the man Asawa. So it's some good fights at 126. It's open because of the exit of of uh, of Lomanchenko. and um, yeah, Carl Frampton isn't gonna fight Gary Russell. He's he's gonna do the. The all um, UK thing with Lee Shelby, but man, this is a this is one of the this is one of those divisions that one or two fights can determine you know who the top guy is. Like you know, I would like to see Shelby you know do a unification match with Valdez, you know, if he can get that fight. I think that would be interesting. To um, uh to two uh, K's point, you know, I I think he should also get the winner of, of Leo Santa Cruz and Carl Frampton you know, maybe even the winner of Jose Cuellar and, and Abner Malish, you know. So um, there's a lot of ways you can go here, man. I would like to see, you know, um, Carlos Dombrano, uh, you know, take on Jojo Diaz. I think that would be an excellent fight. You know, you got Josh Warrington. So you got some fights there that can be made, and it's it's a very good, deep division of talent, and I like it, but the question, that, you know, the problem is, again, trying to get these fights, because we can talk about them all day, but these fights, you know, they got to try to make them happen.
2: All right. Uh, let me get your take on this one, Bernard. Uh, some of your favorites, at uh, 126,
3: man, and uh, the, the fights you'd like to see take place. Uh, the fights I like to see take place pretty much in a uh, 126 kind of vision is I would like to see a um, unification by go down between um, Gary Russell and um, the winner of the Carl Frampton versus uh, Leo Santa Cruz fight, or possibly uh, Lee Sel- Shelby. Um, if not, even um, it would go either way, even with the champions, because since we already got the door open with the Al Heyman and uh, Bob Aaron Tomlin, we possibly see Austin Valdez probably go against a Carl Frampton or Gary Russell. Um, there's a lot of possibilities open in this division. I mean, y'all already named a lot of names. I mean, I could go through the current rankings right now, but it probably it's probably no need to. But um, this is a, a division I would have to really look into because you have a lot of names. And it's a, a division that is underrated and it's not looked upon. Like, again, what both said, the small divisions don't get looked upon on. So uh, I'll definitely keep my eye on this one as well.
2: Yeah, like uh, it was said, Lomachenko and uh, Walters leaving the division definitely uh, made the division lose its luster because, you know, prior to that I had it being pretty much up there with 154 and 147 as my, like, you know, pretty much my deepest divisions in boxing. Uh, 126 was just that deep at that time and, you know, still is, even the of them now. It is a lot of good fights. Um like I said, uh, Gary Russell he he went out there and pulled Lee Selby's whole card on on Showtime on on live air and nothing's been done since from Selby's part, so we know he's not going to get that gas. Um, so you know, at the end of the day, they, we'll probably end up seeing Gary Russell and Oscar Valdez. That might be one of the few unifications we see. I'd like to see that fight personally because they are the top tier. Uh, are the best two in the in the division right now to me. Um as champions, they're the best two. Um, even over Frampton. You know, I think Valdez is just something very special. Um, especially, you know, since move moving, moving to uh Emmanuel Robles, uh, you know, training training him. He's uh he's peaked, you know, he's starting to peak, you know. Um let me go ahead and pass it over to Big Cool. Is there any anything you'd like to add on to this topic as far as fights you want to see at 126, um, um, or how you see it playing out? <coughs> playing out. I do agree with the consensus that Gary Russell Jr. Um, right now is the best guy in the division.
4: So Oscar Valdez is, is the future of the division, you know, and I expect him and JoJo Diaz at some point down the line to uh, meet in a mega fight in that division. I like Jojo Diaz as a fighter, but uh, Valdez, in my opinion, is uh, going to be a special superstar type of fighter um, when it's all said and done. And I like to see all all the top champions, uh, all the champions in the division uh, unified. I agree Carl Frampton is going to try to hold that title hostage as long as he can uh, before he has to fight anybody um, that poses a real threat to beating him. not saying that Santa Cruz can't, Do that in that rematch, Um, but I think that he should have tried to make a fight with Gary Russell Jr. or or at least Lee Selby to unify the division. But he has, uh, you know, other plans, and you know he wants to make his money and and keep that title for as long as he can before he has to step up. So, uh, um, you know, like I said, Gary Russell Valdez are the two um, best guys in that division, but. Still a lot of great fights to be made. You got Abner Morris, um fighting, and hopefully he can make some noise. Uh, one of my favorite fighters, but it's a deep division with with a bunch of talented guys, and, and they all needed to fight each other and see who comes out on top. Um, but like I said, uh, Gary Russell Jr. and Valdez, I would love to see that fight uh, sometime down the line. But Gary Russell Jr. talking about retiring before 30 or whatever it was, or as he said, um, so I don't know if that fight will happen before He hangs him up, but I got a feeling he'll he'll fight a little longer than um, he previously stated.
2: But those are my thoughts, man. It's a deep division with a lot of great fights uh, to be made. All right. um, So that's going to bring us into our next topic, a pretty heartbreaking one. Ah, man. Um, You know, just when you thought uh, our boy had finally, you know, graduated and, you know, got his business since the other you know, and uh you know, is on to something different. He shows he's probably still enrolled at the Winky Light School of Business. Um Um one of our favorite fighters, man. All of us like him, um, on this show for the most part. Demetrius Andre. Uh because of failure to to do things in a timely manner. Uh his fight for the WBA title uh, regular title against Jack Cool K is off. Um, they didn't meet the deadlines after the first bid to sign contracts or whatnot. And, yeah, you know, it it was just a big mess as far as that going on. And Andre's intentions to, to still be part of the WBC tournament caused some uh, conflict as well, is what I was uh, reading uh recently but um I'll go ahead and pass it on the the bow on this one. Let me get your take on this one, man. Uh thus goes the life of Demetrius Andrade. <laughs> uh that's
7: just the way it is. Listen, he had the same issue before and don't don't get it twisted. Coke has had this, this same issue also trying to secure fights. But uh this was the same issue about returning documents and paperwork in a timely fashion when it came to fight one of the Charlo brothers. Uh, yeah. He listened to he listened to Rotten Nation on something, and uh, you know they told him uh, something about uh, if he didn't take a fight or something like that, then you know they would take care of him and get him a fight. And he listened to them, and that's how he wound up even losing his title. You know, so thus is the pairs of Dimitri Zinjati. But you know he came back and fought Willie Nelson. We thought, all right, cool. He he got with a new promotion, and sometimes people like to say, hey, maybe it's your promotion. Well. We we now we know he's having the same issues. So I mean it's 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 one of them hard parallels that you look at that you hate to hear about because after he beat Willie Nelson man there was this mad buzz around him. Okay, um, he was targeting Eddie Jarney Lada and Lada and I was actually on his side when he was targeting Lada and Lada was saying hey he don't want that work. Then the next thing we know he targeted the Cool uh, okay, K. And my, my, my co-pilot over here, Bernard, said, well, he's doing that. That way, if he wins the title, he has something going to the table when he goes to fight, you know, it goes up against Lord. And, and that made sense. But now you lost that opportunity. So now, you know, I'm just curious what's going to happen to him from this point on because you don't get too many opportunities in boxing like, you know, Andrade is getting. So who you going to fight next? Is gonna gonna be the big the big clue here because he could wind up being the odd man out again. You know, you got Charlo's fighting. You know, you got J Rock fighting. You know, so you got these guys at 154 that's in the mix, and he could wind up being the odd man out again. And I hate to hear it because I knew I I just knew he was gonna be okay So, I mean, it's it's just one of them things that you you just you know sometimes I just feel like Andrade just can't get out of his own way, and it's sad to hear it, but. Hopefully, hopefully he bounces back from this because this, I mean, he's a bad dude, and I, I like watching him. You know, he's one of my fighters I like watching because I, I love his style. All
2: right. Uh, I'll pass it on to TK on this one. Uh, what are your thoughts on this and in, in the latest developments in, in this interesting career of Demetrius Andre, who was in, you know, the prime of his career. But seems to be missing out on the, on the biggest opportunities, man. Uh, let me get your thoughts on that.
6: <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I, it's 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 very unfortunate, man. Um, but the biggest thing with Demetrius Andrade is what he did, um, you know, most recently regarding his promotional company. I think at the beginning of this year, when he resigned with them.
5: Yeah. Um, Banner yeah.
6: yeah. I mean, with that move right there, resigning with Banner Promotions, we should have known that he was going to have trouble trying to get the type of fights that he wants to get, or, or at least getting the type of fights that you and I and the rest of us on this panel want to see him in. Um, Banner Promotions is like the C-level promotional companies uh, in the sport of boxing. I mean, they you know, have to adhere. To put it in better perspective, they're just one step above Caribbean,
7: which is the one that Rigo is with. They're just one step above Kirby, uh, Caribbean uh I function. think I
6: think they're in the I think they're in the same fucking boat. Like <laughs> Banner, Caribbean, War you got Warriors Boxing that Andre DeRoe was fucking with at one time. I don't know if he's still or he's not a Warriors, I don't think he is, but you know, Warriors Boxing, those type of because 'cause they're on the same fucking boat because they have to adhere to what the the big wigs like Top Rank and and Golden Boy and you know uh Lou DeBello they have to adhere to anything that they want. Uh, Sourland promotion to fucking um Jack Colquay with Frank Warren, et cetera, et cetera. They have to adhere to that. One of the biggest things they were adhering to was that, you know, Jack Colquay was getting a major uh, portion of the purse to where I remember the figure was like 150 k for Demetrius Andre. You know what I'm saying? That's what they were talking about. And Andre actually was like, fuck it, I'll fight him anyway because he knew you know, what he was gonna be getting out of that. It was gonna be more leverage to get a fight with Aeros Landy Laura. Um, but at the same time, you know, you have this and I mean I don't know, man. I it it's it's like I said, it's a situation that should have been foreseen, but I mean we're we're all so excited uh for um Demetrius Andre beating Willie Nelson that it, it pretty much bypassed us. Now one thing I wanna say is the you know, uh, Demetrius Andre did come out and say that he signed his contract back in November 5th, and he's still waiting on, on Jack Koke. But evidently, Jack Koke signed it before Demetrius Andre did um, in one of the articles I had read previously. Um, now, that he said, she said. I don't know what the fuck that's all about. Um, but I know Sourland Promotions have never made any statement. Uh, on that particular tweet that Demetrius Andre made about that, so I mean in that situation I don't know who to believe. I do know that early in the negotiations, Jack Colke was stalling the negotiations. He was hesitant to actually go forward with negotiations. So that's something that is documented. and That's something that is out there. So I mean I, I don't know, man. It's, it's unfortunate for Demetrius Andre, really and honestly. There's there's nobody else for him to fight. Um, I mean, you've got some prospects that he could fight, but he's he's better than that he's not a gatekeeper he's a valid contender and a former champion. He should be fighting other champions for their belts um There's no reason for him to fight guys like Vanez Marosion he's already beat that guy, and he's past that level of competition when he beat Willie Nelson he showed us that I mean, who the fuck is he gonna fight tony Harrison? I mean there's no reason for that fight so i I don't know where this place is a man um. All I do know is that uh whoever is handling him, uh, uh his managers, his team, banner promotions, they need to get their shit together, man, or else we're gonna have a situation where we got a guy not fulfilling his potential because the business side wasn't right.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely agreed there. Um, and like uh I have mentioned previously, um him throwing his name or mentioning him wanting to be part of the WBC tournament. May have... uh, We're not sure what what that's going to mean as far as his uh, standing with the WBA at the moment, especially with this fight not being signed. uh, Possibly we can see it in early 2017. Uh, I think Kool K has another fight planned in the meantime because Andre wasn't able been fine in time for going to get it done. Um one of the hang ups was I guess was drug testing, even though, you know, it was a purse did. Drug t- drug testing was one of the hang ups in their their actual finishing the contract. Uh that said I'll go ahead and pass it on the the big cool on this one. Let me get your thoughts. You know, Andre's one of your boys, you've interviewed him personally. Um what, what are your thoughts on where his career is heading and, you know, these things continue to happen and derail his career. I'm shocked, honestly, cause, uh, I interviewed him uh, a few
4: months back and he seemed to have everything figured out. You know, he resigned. He didn't seem like he wanted to resign with his promoter, but he, he did because I guess what was presented to him at the time was a better deal. He had mentioned how he got more control, more 50-50, some more of a partnership than, they have, you know, having, you know, control like most promoters do over their fighters. So he seemed to be happy with that. And I thought for sure that, you know, that he's going to be on the right track. He was he was eager. He was happy, you know, going into that fight with Willie Nelson. You know, show the fans that he's still, you know, still ready to go and still, you know, should be on a, fresh on the mind of a, of a fight. Man, to get news that his fight with Koke is off to him or his team having a brain for it, I think brain fart is just baffling. I mean, I don't understand how he, he's not putting pressure on his team to make sure everything is, is ready. You know, this is a title fight. Yeah, he would have gone get 150K. Yeah, he would have to go to Germany, but he's an Olympian. He, he's traveled before. I mean, he should know better. Um, I mean, we can say whatever we want about his team at the end of the day. You know, the fighter has to care most about his career because you know he's going in there gonna fight, train and do that, so I don't know what's going on in his mind. Hopefully we can get him on the show um soon that, you know, to get his side of what happened. Uh but it's unfortunate and if it's indeed on his team for why this fight fell apart, he could uh, we could be looking at another uh, under war situation where he goes you know, he's gonna be out out of action due to trying to get out of a contract he just resigned with, you know, Get out of a, a contract with a promoter he just resigned with, due to them not um, holding up the end of the deal, which was him back what, a year and a half, two years. You know how these legal battles go. So uh, he's going to do some soul assumption and and get some better people around him to make sure that everything is a go when coming negotiating these fights and, and meeting these deadlines and and you know negotiating the, the fucking uh, purse on his behalf because. Man, he's having brain fart after brain fart, which is uh, not a good look for him. I mean, uh, like I said, it's a bummer, man. We, I speak for all y'all. We all love him as a fighter, man, and being a cool dude, you know, funny guy. It's just for him to keep having these mistakes, man. It's kind of like you, know, you need to change the uh, people you surround yourself with because obviously they don't care uh, enough about you or your career to get you um, ready on the legal side of everything, with the paperwork, and you keep ending up with these long stretches of inactivity, which is going to only bite him in the ass at the end of the day cause you keep going six to eight months without fighting, eventually you're going to exit your prime, and you're going to be uh, a could-have instead of uh, a great fighter. But hopefully it's just a, his last major bump in the road in terms of, you know, uh, uh, the business side of not meeting deadlines, and hopefully he can fight somebody, maybe Austin Trout. I mean, that's a guy that I think, I mean, that's the only viable guy left, I guess, that's not a title uh holder that will make some sense, even though that's a fight he should win, if, if they can make that happen. But like 2K City, nobody want to see him fight uh, a rematch with uh, Rose Rosen or fight Jer Hurd or any of these guys. Uh, maybe Tony Harrison, another guy who I think is, you know, his last thing prepared himself past prospect. prospects. Oh um, stage to a contender, So hopefully he can get his shit together and uh, bounce back uh in cause he's definitely not fighting the resolution, so we'll see. You
6: know you know what you know what he could do? Moving to one sixty, there's a lot of motherfuckers out there that are promoted uh by promotional by promotional companies that are at the same level as as his. So he could get a lot of fights at one sixty with no trouble. But at 154, there's a lot of guys that are being promoted by a lot of these major promotional companies, so there's a lot of shit that he's going to have to adhere to just to get a, a fight, you know, against a mid-level opponent like fucking Jack Kolkak, you know what I'm saying? Even though he's a I WBA mean, regular champion, he's still a mid-level opponent. 154 is, is
2: the size the limit for him, though, like, like, like um...
6: He ain't getting a fight. No, the, majo- the majority the fight.
2: of these guys are, are with Showtime, you know. Like, I agree. He's exclusively time with Showtime, so it's not really an issue getting these fights made, you know. Like, it's not as big as a uh, a, a issue as it could have been before. Let's um, see. You prior to him resigning, at least. What you know, you're not um, taking
6: into account is that is, is these guys are not going to fight him why they're not fighting this nigga. He's too yeah, he's good. Too much of a threat. They're not, <laughs> they're not going to fight him. He's on a he's on a terrible promotional company, and he's one of the best fighters in the sport. That's double negatives. He's not going to get those fights, man. He's got to go to one sixty. That's the only way he can fucking resume his career legitimately. These motherfuckers will not fight him, man. Tell
2: him. Let get your the take on this, man. Uh... Oh my goodness. Let me get your take on it. Uh, uh as far as the Andrade situation, T K mentioned to good point now that he thinks uh Andre should move up to one sixty. Um I, I'm personally opposed to that one. I think one hundred fifty four he still <clears> especially <throat> if this W B C tournament is actually made, at least that's a prospect for him. Uh, to get a belt for sure outright. Um so let me get your thoughts on that, Bernard. Uh, as far as that,
8: okay.
3: Um, let me first say this: When I first got the news, well, I had to go back. I thought Coke didn't sign the contract at first, but when y'all broke the news to me before we the show that he didn't, he signed it late. I was, I was highly pissed, man. Um, but to speak on what just you said, one fifty four, he said one fifty four. 2K said he should move to 160. There's arguments that I to see benefits on both sides. I mean, if he could try to get the K fight one more time for him, yeah. like, oh, yeah, I would say go for it. Yeah. But if he can't, cut your losses, move on, and move on to 160. That's what I would do, unless that WBC tournament shows up, I mean, pops up for him where yeah.
5: uh,
4: I'm sorry. I, I, I'm with Swan, man. I'm with Juan. I think he's still 154. I mean, I so can't let him off the hook. So I mean, there? that's your, that's,
3: that's your opinion. That? That's cool. That's cool. I said he. I said he should. leave trying for the cocaine fight one more time. Get that bill so he can have something to bargain with. If he can't get that fight again. Move the fuck on to one sixty because if they not gonna fight him or yeah,
6: that's be, the that's the variable right there. They not gonna or, fight or, this nigga. I mean, with that, the that wasn't product, the I
2: issue though. The, the issue here was Andre did not find the shit on time. Okay, okay, right, right. the fight he, was he here. It's not a matter of uh, somebody not fighting up. him. No,
6: you know what I'm saying. It's come not come a matter of somebody not fighting. Fuck that. It's the money, right? Think about, think about, hold on, now now hold on, hold on, hold on. Fuck that. Think about that, people. This nigga called out. Canello millions of fucking times called out Errol Laura millions of fucking times. Okay, these motherfuckers are not stepping to the table to fight him. That's why he's fighting Jack Koke I had the the opportunity to fight a Jack Colker. Nobody is talking that. about getting, uh, No, hold on, hold on, Bernard. Nobody is get, is talking about getting in the ring with Demetrius Andre, Jamel Charlo. He was supposed to fight him in 2014. Again, that was his fault but that fight never even materialized again. Jamal Charlo's never talked about it. Uh, Austin Trout's never talked about it. Shit, Miguel Cotto's never talked. Nobody's talking about fighting this dude. Yes, he has two problems with Jack K and Jamal Charlo, but at the same time, nobody's stepping up to the plate to say, I'll fight this motherfucker. And nobody wants to do it. Even when he was a WBO champion, they still didn't want to fight him. That's why he had to but- fucking defend against Brian Rose. Come on, y'all! Hold oh, on, okay. I got something
3: to say. Oh, no, I'm, okay. I'm about to defend. I'm about to. Two okay, K actually got a good point, but let's. The question is, he is technically the mandatory for Canelo right yes. now, and we is the about the fuck the fuck Canelo becoming a unified champion. He was called a Canelo, who was his mandatory. How the fuck you calling out your own mandatory? Your mandatory only to step up to the plate. That's yep. fucked up in itself. Let's not forget that. So, why bullshit? and continue to, to fuck around with this um, division, move the fuck up. Hell, he might even get a chance to fight uh, the one and only Chib- um, Boogie Monster 160. Chib- Triple G if he uh, puts in some work. You know what I'm saying? Might as well. But the
8: star banner will fuck that up, too. I'm like. <laughs> but y'all got to understand though. I, I mean, where y'all coming from. I mean, I know mean
3: where y'all
4: coming from. But this situation right here with cocaine, he fucked himself out of it. So, I mean, he had his chance to get himself back in the mix, where he could bring something to the table to get a Laura to get. Uh,
5: exactly. Do you really
4: think she exactly. would have got? But I get w- what you're saying.
8: He, yeah, they didn't want to fight him when he was a
4: WO champion, but still. Now we we advanced two
6: years on. Now Laura, I think Laura would have got in the ring with him. I honestly do. I, yeah. th- I think Laura would fight now. him. Why don't Laura fight him now? Why the fuck does he got to be the WBA regular champion in order to get a fight? A lot of that uh, motherfucking Twitter
7: fingers, okay? Let's just let's, exactly. let's keep it real. Sometimes not, I mean, Lord, he, he gets Twitter fingers, alright? I'm just going to be on that. Exactly. Okay. But, oh! but my problem, but, but my problem but all
8: of y'all,
2: you better be careful, it, bro. They're going to revoke your Cuba pass. they going to revoke your Cuba pass. <laughs> you keep sure talking this
8: shit. You better, you better
7: watch yourself. This, but this shit will call they never should have went to a fucking purse bed. That's my whole issue with that. This shit never yeah. should have went to a fucking purse bid. They wanted this to go to a fucking purse bid because there's still two conflicting stories about who signed what first. So, it's, exactly. so we, can't just, we can't just go off of, oh, it's Andrade Fart. No, there's two conflicting stories about who signed what first. But this exactly. shit should have went to a purse bid. He shouldn't have had to have taken this route at the 2K's point, like he said, uh, uh, um, um, Charlo after the situation happened with Andrade, he never revisited that. Neither one of them. They never revisited that shit. The, uh, uh, you know, he he gave a great performance against Willie Nelson. After that Willie Nelson fight, I didn't hear nobody say we're glad he's back. I I, I want him in the ring. Yeah. So, true, practice, but, you know. True, but what you what did you catch the last time we was talking about this?
8: You know,
4: we you go to the first bid? Caucasian people let it go for a reason.
8: They wanted the most money, so I mean,
3: that's why we got to this point. Yo, it went to a purse bit and, and that fight ended up having to be taken in Germany with, what, five weeks for him before him to, to go in there?
4: Yep. Hey, well, I mean,
3: that that's, what agreed, know,
4: that's what he said. agreed to, that's
2: what he agreed to. A 30-K-4 eight weeks. Yep. but that's so, what he agreed to do. No, nah, that first bid happened him. a while ago, man. Man, that person yeah, happened. No. I, I can't, crazy, man.
8: I can't lay my this dog. at
2: his feet
7: as it's is Andrade's fault because there's two conflicting stories about who signed what and did what. Well,
8: because exactly.
7: even if you want to tell me he did it late, then you you telling me okay he did it late, but guess what? We can still kinda of make this fight. They like fuck it completely. And that's my
4: problem. I agree, I
6: agree. Uh, I don't think Coke okay, wanted to fight,
4: but like 2K said, if you're the champion and you know, that thanks to the organization is going to give you the majority of the, uh, uh, of the purse. Yeah, hey, you're going to do that because you want the bigger piece
3: of it. So it, it's always, it's, I guess you can put it on Corky, too, because he didn't really want to fight, but he's just doing what TK said. What 2K said is 2K, he was to the show,
4: and he's like, okay, I awesome. think he
3: is right, so I'm going to just let him hey. the purse be. So, so is Corky pretty much babysitting that belt now? You damn right? Who the fuck is called
8: out? Who is Corky called out the 54-pound division? Has Koke said, "I'm, I'm one of on the top guys." Has you no, said that?
0: No,
7: okay, thank you very much. It's two K, like man. He's listening to you, two <laughs> K. Like so, he's
8: going to play. Go so, he You got
4: two k address. Andre told him. Don't forget, he was listening. Koke was listening to you, man.
6: <laughs> <laughs> All right, Twan, so, wow, we done.
2: Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, that brings us on to our, I guess, our next topic, uh, you know what I'm saying? Uh, we got, we got some fights, a, a weekend, a title fight's happening, basically, uh, as far as, uh, you know, you got the Manny Pacquiao card this weekend, in uh, his main event against Jesse Vargas, um, uh, you also have, uh, Oscar Valdez on the card defending his title. Uh, you got Yu Shiming going for another mm-hmm. title again. I don't know how the hell he got that so fast. Another shot. Thank for, you. Thank fast. you, Bob. Um, yeah, Uncle, <laughs> Uncle Bob. Um, we also got another fight on the card, and a uh, title fight on the card, and Amito Donner going against Jesse Magdaleno, which is probably That's the fight I'm, 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 I'm most interested in seeing personally. Um, I guess yeah, we gonna do a breakdown of all these fights, or just of the card in general. Preview. Um, start started off with TK man. Uh, top to bottom, let me get your picks. How you see the fights playing out, man? Well, I I'm gonna go with
6: the. Since we're kind of pressed for time, I'm kind of I'm gonna go with the uh, Jesse Magdaleno Nonito um, Denaire fight. I don't know if you give a fuck about Zhao Shiming, whatever his name is, but um, uh, uh, yo, Magdaleno is a very good fighter. I think he's being overlooked. I can't remember what I seen, but there was a an article that came out where Bob Arum is already trying to match uh, Nanita Donaire with somebody else after the Magdaleno fight, and uh, I can't remember who the guy was right off the top. But when I was reading it, I was like, damn, why are they looking past Jesse Magdaleno now? He has two other brothers. He I can't remember the other the, the youngest one. Diego. Uh, he just started. Now, Diego's the older one. Diego's older than him. He has a younger brother. I can't remember his name, but he's he's four and He just started. Uh Diego, the older brother, I used to think he was the best one back when these two guys uh just started their careers. Um, before I actually watched Jesse fight and then I watched Jesse fight and I was like, Oh hell no, nah. he is the better of the of the of the three. Um Dude is real slick. He's got fast hands, he got nice uh footwork. Uh he has uh 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 nice power in his, in both his hands, particularly his left hand. And he throws a very good uh uh lead left hook to the body. Very good, very good puncher to the body. Um only problem is, man, like he <laughs> he doesn't to be a slick fighter. He doesn't utilize lateral movement. Um I think again no Donair, Nenita Donaire's many punches that left hook. He's going to have to move to his left in order to get away from Nenita Donaire's left hook. You don't really see him turning his opponents. You actually see him standing there, and then he'll bounce. He has a nice bounce. You know, he'll faint, he'll back up, or he'll bounce back, he'll bounce forward. He's not really doing that laterally, which is going to be a problem because if he's standing there, and he's another guy that drops his hand while he's throwing combinations or while he's throwing uh, the jab, if he does that shit, he's going to be in prime uh, distance for Nonito Donaire's left uh, left hook. So I'm kind of afraid for him on that. Um, He doesn't judge distance very well. That also leaves him open for counters. Um, But... As far as his offensive arsenal, man, he he's a very good fighter. He's twenty three and over seventeen knockouts. Man, this is an excellent fight. I don't think Bob Merriman and De and Denaire should be looking past this guy at all. It's, it's definitely a fight they can lose.
2: All right. Um do you have um, a decision or who do you see winning? Do you think uh De Niro will win this or Magdalena or do you have fifty fifty uh,
6: Yeah, I gotta um I gotta look at <laughs> I got to look at some training camps. I haven't looked at the training camps um, for these guys yet. Um, so I could see exactly who's doing what, how does, how does this fighter look uh, coming into this fight. So if if Magdaleno has a shitty training camp, he's not working on his lateral movement, I think he can get caught in one of those left hooks. But if he's actually being groomed as a prime boxer, moving around the ring, you know, uh, letting off combinations, turning his opponent keeping the fight in the middle of the ring, I think he has a good shot of beating, no need that. All
2: right, and you uh, got to get your, it might be a moot point, but, you know, we got to get your pick on this one out of Pacquiao Vargas since it is the main oh, event. Oh, my bad, yeah. <laughs>
6: All right, man, this fight, Manny Pacquiao, Jesse Vargas is going to look exactly like Manny Pacquiao versus Chris Algieri. Um I think the difference will be I don't Jesse Vargas may not get knocked down five times. That's going to be the only difference. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I was saying I was saying at one time that Jesse Vargas versus Chris Algeria is an excellent fight because both of those guys have almost very similar styles. They utilize the jab very well. They they judge distance very well. Um, uh, B level boxers. They're not elite. They're not C level. Um, they're both champions. Uh, Chris Algieri was a former WBO 140 pound champion. Um, that would be an excellent fight, in my opinion, at 147. And it's not a fight that Jesse Vargas was just walking in there and fucking win. Um, but what Manny Pacquiao is able to do, his abilities—he's um, not—he's not a different fighter than what he was when he fought Chris Algieri, giving us the exact damn near exact same style uh, with the same tendencies. Yeah, he's. This is going to be an easy fight for him. Um, as, like I said, I see it going the same way, just minus the knockdowns. I, I expect Pacquiao to win at least ten rounds.
2: All right, I'll go ahead and pass it over to, to Bernard. Uh, Your thoughts um, on this card? Uh, night of title fights? Uh, any previews or fights you're looking forward to on this card
5: specifically? Oh man,
3: the only fight I mean I'm going to look at that. Don't don't need to don't know on their fight, but. I want to piggyback on something that Two um, K was saying. He wanted to know uh, he the name that couldn't come to mind. Aaron wanted to put <laughs> Donito Donaire against Oscar Valdez.
4: Oh yeah, that's a good fight.
3: So that's what he he's pretty much overlooking the opponent, and they're talking about that. But um, yeah, I mean that's right. I've already said my prediction for the Pacquiao Vargas fight. I'm going with Vargas. You just like picking underdogs, nigga. No, 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 man. I don't really, hey. <laughs> yeah, I like, I like, I like, I like going with the fuckery too. But I think it could yeah. be a lifestyle moment. I, I, there's a couple reasons why I'm picking this fight. I'm picking, uh, excuse me, Jesse Vargas. Um, he has. I got trainer. to hear
2: this shit here.
3: Man, he got this new trainer in Dewey Cooper, who worked out, who works out the Mayweather gym. I'm not saying Disney Wilder going to go in and look like Mayweather. But I'm pretty sure they really look at uh, that thing with Mayweather and uh, Pacquiao. And I'm pretty sure. Bernard, a... Yes?
6: I'm going to let you finish. I just want to add real quick. Dewey Cooper went on record recently and stated that he tried to get information from Floyd Mayweather on, on how what he used uh, against Manny Pacquiao. Floyd Mayweather wouldn't help him. Okay, you can continue.
3: Hey,
8: let me
6: say this.
3: Hold <laughs> on, hold on, oh, hold on. Let me say this. Oh, 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 oh. Do you really need to get information when you could just look at the? Uh, you said it yourself on your video on that video. How many times did that right hand go down, Pacquiao? Go uh, hit Pacquiao.
6: But Jesse Vargas is not known for his
3: <laughs> counter straight right hand. Hey,
6: That's the I know that.
3: But Cyril, it's a right here. It's the absolutely right. I'm just saying. But I, okay. I mean, I'm not doing up. I'm not giving that. I understand the California and all that shit. But I feel like he's rejuvenated. Jesse Vargas. Is, Jesse Vargas got something to prove, and he really wants to go out. I think he's going to show out again like he did against my leg. I'm hoping for an upset. I'm pretty much. About let me help out my partner. Let uh, me help <laughs> out my
4: partner.
3: <laughs> <laughs> hey, let me help out
8: my partner. Right hey, here. hold on, hold on. Okay, I'm gonna let you know about it, I'm gonna hit you with hit him with the cat phrase, dog. Just <laughs> <Not> like <laughs> self, like
3: self. I'm child. tagging him in. I'm
8: tagging him in. Listen, <laughs> you tag. just said something. <laughs> it's a hot tag. You just you just said something, two K,
7: that applies here. Everybody was looking over. Donaire was looking over uh, uh, that guy. He's right. Well, I think people right. are looking over Jesse Vargas. Listen, here's All something right. everybody got to understand. Jesse Vargas is, he's young, he's hungry, and he fucking wants it. He has some intentions. He's level He's doable. <laughs> he's, he, but wait a minute, though.
8: He's, he's doable. Really?
7: And we know one thing, this guy's going to be in the best shape of his life because he knows this is his moment. Just like when he lost to Bradley, but when he got that chance against Saddam Ali, say what you want about Saddam Ali. Say it before I'm finished, because I know you have some things about that, dude. But when he got in there, Saddam Ali, he, he knew what was at stake, and he raised his game. Now, the, my right. biggest question is, which Manny Pacquiao are we going to get? Are we going to get the preacher Manny Pacquiao that was being cool with Timothy Bradley, or are we going to get Chucky the, the, you know, Chucky the dog well,
6: killer? And that's what's going to Which Manny
1: Pacquiao? Which Manny well, Pacquiao boxing, will come in there?
6: Well, okay, boxing is a sport of what have you done for me lately. So lately, Manny Pacquiao beat the shit out of Tim Bradley. No, beat the but that, he beat the shit. We, but
8: he beat the shit out of a dude he knew he could beat. I mean, let's keep it real. He, beat, it the he, he be beat the real. shit out of a dude. That he to to he, no, he beat that. the shit that was talking about is. going to fucking dinner. He beat the shit out of a dude about going to dinner with him. Yeah, 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 yeah. I hear that. Okay. He beat the He beat the shit out of a dude that we had already felt couldn't beat him in the first place. No. Oh, you yelling, you're
3: right you're yelling for the no reason. You yelling
6: for no reason because Tim Bradley is still light years better than Jesse fucking Vargas. and we and Jesse it fucking Vargas almost put down, <laughs> Tim Bradley had
8: he had twenty more seconds for that light shit. Oh, oh my god! Because 11 11 ran 11 all ran over headed motherfucker. If he had a few more seconds. However, let me just so wait a minute. Let me say this right here, though. The so way to beat Manny Pacquiao, wait a minute. This is the way to beat Manny Pacquiao.
7: The way to beat Manny Pacquiao is you have to be a boxer and you have to counterpunch, which, unfortunately, Jesse Vargas don't do. Jesse Vargas will give up his height. He has the height reach advantage, but he'll give it up because he's going to try to go to war with Manny. So Manny Pacquiao is going to win this fight. But just don't overlook Jesse Vargas. I see what
6: my partner's Hold going on. on. Fuck that. I'm keeping I need to speak on what the fuck you just said. So basically Jesse Vargas and Tim Bradley are on the same level as far as being able to beat Manny Pacquiao because Jesse Vargas landed a ghost right hand in the twelfth round of a fight where he lost eleven straight fucking rounds. Are you kidding and me, nigga? I said
8: That's right. I said it. I said it, I said it. Now, is, this box- no, hey, now, boxing, is this shit true?
7: No. Is the shit true? Of course the shit's not true. Of course it's should not true. Jesse Vargas is yeah. nowhere near on the same level as as Timothy Bradley. But for I'm the sake of my you. partner, but, but for the sake of my partner,
8: for the sake of my partner. I'm okay with that. <laughs> hey, hey, hey I'm with like that. how you put on for, effect, the yeah. mm-hmm. for the sake of oh, for the sake of
3: my
8: Barge partner. Has <laughs> <sand. Barge is laughs>
3: it, has it has been revoked. temporarily for about two months. You can't
8: talk boxing for. That's how you gonna do that, Bernard man. For the sake of my partner. <laughs> yeah, um, I think boxing has a, uh, a shot.
2: Let me go ahead and tell you cool on this, man. Uh, what's your <laughs> thoughts on this card as far as, you know, we got four title fights, man. So, you know, um, the main event probably not as, you know, uh, exciting or what everybody wants. But, you know, it's four title fights. Uh, let me get your take on the card, your winners, losers, you know, anything you got to, to say about this one. I mean,
4: I'm looking forward to the uh the Donito, Donner, uh, Jesse Magdalena fight, uh, as well as uh Valdez just because he like we mentioned earlier, superstar in the making. I think he blows his opponent away. Um and under Yeah. I think um I think all the favorites are gonna win. Um, I think the Nonito Denir fight is gonna be close, but he's a big one hundred and twenty two pounder and he does possess power like Two K said uh, not alone. Uh, whatever the fuck his last name is, damn. Um, Jesse, he um <laughs> leaves himself open uh, for left hooks and shit, and and that's what we know that um Nonito Donaire is known for. As Vic Darcinian and yep. if his other victims, uh Vasquez included. But I think that Borges has a slim chance to beat Manny Pacquiao if Manny Pacquiao isn't on his A game, and maybe he's aged and not as fast. I haven't seen anything. I haven't been keeping up with this, um, you know, keeping up with this fight in terms of and training and, and whatnot. Like I said, I'm not really interested in it, but Vargas does have a lot of fight in him. He, he does come to win each and every fight, and he kind of always finds himself whether he deserves to be in a close fight or not, he always finds himself at the end of a, of a fight, you know, either winning it or, close, or just right there. So, I mean, It'll be a decent fight. I think it will look like the Algeria pacquiao fight. But um, I believe if he put Vargas down, he's going to finish him. I think Manny wants to Yeah. Him. I really do. I really think Vargas is going as far as he could or he can. And going from Roy Jones to Cooper not going to help any, anything, especially against Manny Pacquiao. He's too slow. Manny is too great for him, even at an advanced age. So I think all the favorites will win it. I don't think we're going to get a great card or an entertaining card. So, like I said, we're just trying to get
2: through this fight so we can get to the big one in November 19th. That's how I look at it. All right. Um, that said, I guess I'll add in my little my little predictions as well. Um, of course, I see Pacquiao beating Vargas. That's uh, no question there. Um, the fight I was most interested in is Magdaleno versus uh Del Nier. Um. You know, uh, Magdaleno, he hasn't been in against anybody really high caliber at one twenty two. Um, he's fought as high as one twenty six himself. Um he's a pretty stocky build dude, uh and he, he you know, he's trained by Joel Diaz, you know. I wish uh our interview would have went better with him as far as uh, you know, not having technical because we could have spoke more to him. Actually I wanted to ask him more about this fight. Um, which you know, we were in the process of doing before he got cut off from us. But um it's an interesting fight because, you know, we see even when Daener won his vacant title that he just uh, picked up now at one twenty two, it was he had to go to war to do it. Um he's had two easy fights since then, two two easy knockouts. Um I certainly don't see him doing the same the the Plano, you know, he this you know is a step up in competition for him. Uh, so I definitely see it being an interesting fight. I still think Magdaleno personally, uh like he might just be a little bit too green too green, too young, know, even though he's got a, a good trainer in Diaz in this corner. Like I don't think Magdaleno knows his own personal strengths as a fighter. Um, and what works best for him stylistically. Uh one of the things I don't like you know, as far as uh, you know, I think 2K had actually said this as well. Um, he loops his punches, you know, uh, and he keeps his hands down at times, which I don't think plays good into into you know the counter abilities down there, you know, especially for keeping your hands down off the jab and you know when throwing combos, you know that's like south, you know, messing with a guy with the power down there at 122. Um so I'm I'm still kind of fifty fifty on this one. I'm not sure. I'm gonna probably uh, make my decision night of the fight, but it's definitely the one I'm looking forward to. I'm kind of upset nobody mentioned this huge Shamig fighting. How the hell? Well, we did go into it a little bit. Um, I guess Uncle Bob provides uh, opportunity, but there's no way he should be fighting for another title already.
4: That's is it for the WBO? Um,
3: what are you talking about? Uh,
2: Shannon Briggs? No, no, no. Huh. He just mentioned he's the belt. I'm not, uh, I'm not sure guy. if it's a, Yeah, I
3: know. What is it? It's not a bacon, is it?
2: Well, I don't know. I well, kinda... any, yeah, but anyways, man, but I'm just like, he, he shouldn't... I, I'm not sure how he got another title fighter. As far as Oscar Valdez, this is just a state business fight for him, so... I didn't want to read too much or, you know, do too much uh, talking on that one. But he is, like I said, uh, you know, when I break down the 126, he's probably one of the cream of the crop top two guys at 126. So that just speaks on his skill set and his ability as a fighter. Um, That said, we'll swing it into our UOENO topic of the week. Um, On this day, November 2nd, uh, you know, Marco Antonio Barrera defeated Johnny Tapia, the late great, rest in peace, feature Hall of Famer, twelve round of the decision to retain his title. Uh Tapia was towards the end of his career then of course, but you know, he was a great fighter still and you know, Barrera, one of all time Mexican greats. Um, so definitely, you know, big up on that. Um, to both, you know, rest in peace to, to champ, and, you know, big up to brewer and his uh, future Hall of Fame career as well. Um, I think uh, Johnny Tapia will be up for uh, the IBF Part International Boston Hall of Fame this year. Um, so, you know, hopefully he'll get inducted into one of them. He definitely had a, a career worthy of being in, in one of the Hall of Fames. Um, with that said, we'll take it over to Bernard, for our final blow of the week,
3: okay, fellas. Um, my final blow blow is basically on one of the topics we had tonight, which was Oscar saying it's the worst box, um, worst year box, which is 2016. But um, uh, another person also agreed with him as well, as in Fat Dan, Dan Raphael, journalist for ESPN. I want to speak on something that I think them two. Tend to forget we have there's a lot of aspects that plays into the sport of boxing. You have the sports side and you have the business side. I understand you guys, all the fans want to see the big fights and y'all want to see the make the big fights too. We already spoke on Oscar. He didn't make any uh make any of the uh, fights that he should have. Now Dan Rafael, we all know he's a he's a he's a triple G fanboy, so he's constantly riding his dick. So on on that note, let's talk on the business side of boxing. You got at least four to five sanctioning bodies. You got these purse bids. Then you got to also include promotional companies. You also got to understand, too, though some of these promotional companies don't even want to work with each other, or they do, they are trying to work with each other. So there's a lot of things you got to play in the aspect. But to sit here and say 2015 is the worst year of boxing, no, I disagree. Plus, you're not even going to fight. You want to sit here and degrade a, 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 a Olympic gold medalist and Andre Ward who fought a Southern Rivera, but yet you ain't really talking anything about the Kovalev versus Ward fight that's about to happen in two weeks. So that's totally, you know, what 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 you have to say is total bullshit. So at the end of the day, I think everybody just needs to look. Just, pretty much him, he just needs to shut the fuck up forever. He shouldn't even be a, uh, a boxing journalist, let alone. So, in this note, when you t- to say that, make those type of comments, look at all aspects of this sport. Right? Look at all the players and all the things and issues you got to deal with. You got, we also had this here where, uh, yeah, Tyson Fury won the belt, won all the belts from Klitschko, if I'm correct. And when he did win the belt, he was going to give Klitschko his rematch. But due to that, the IBS stripped them of that belt. So that's another issue right there in itself. So it's a lot of things. Again, a lot of things play a lot of roles. So there's nothing wrong with boxing. Let's talk about the good fights we had. We had the Thurman versus Porter. We had the, possibly the upset of the year. Joe Smith knocking out Fontaine in the first round. Uh, let's talk about the Carl Francis versus Santa Cruz fight. That was another good fight. uh Man, we got the Poster versus Crawford, a unification bout in the 140-pound division. Two under, young undefeated fighters in their prime, defending their belts against each other, and Crawford won. So there's a lot of great things that went went on this year throughout the box, and we still got the rest of the year to go. So at the end, shut the fuck up forever, Dan Raphael. <laughs> can't speak on boxing. That's it, man. From this point forward on, oh, oh, man. We won't have to put some ether music or play some purge music for these casual, <laughs> and these casual jokers, man, because they come with that bullshit and that fuckery, which I'm down for. You know what I'm saying? So hey, I'm done. I'm done. Man. What's, what's have seven, what's the, the bo-
2: after? After that, what's the move? With forty-one to zero no? with, with, with thirty-seven KOs, right? Like, no, you know, we got forty-one, <laughs> oh, forty-one knockouts,
3: man. We ain't we ain't yeah. down to Nobody. I'm trying not. to figure out who went the distance. Who went the distance? <laughs> oh, it's real. The,
8: but, the bug is
2: Charles Hill.
8: Oh, yeah.
5: <laughs> Fuck off, oh, y'all.
8: I murdered that motherfucker. Where's where Charles Hill now? Charles Hill is a
7: 30 for 30 fucking
2: movie. Oh, man. That's man, uh, I just want to pay you back on uh you know that, that that topic, you know, as far as uh you know, what Dan put out there and Oscar as well. We we, we talked about it on the show, but I didn't mention this. Uh Richard Schaefer actually had a rebuttal and you know, I am I'm glad he said this. He's like this it is bad for for stakeholders such as media and you know, even promoters to talk bad about the sport, man. Like, you know, you're not supposed to down-talk the sport. Do something about it. Be about action, man. But to be down-talking it, it makes it look like you have some kind of other agenda. You know, it doesn't serve the good of the sport to do that. Um, I'm not saying uh, put glitter on shit, you know what I'm saying, necessarily. But keep it real, honest assessment. All, you know, bias out of it. You know, it's already bad enough people think you, you're you on some kind of industry payola shit like this, the record industry. You know, DJ Payola, you know, it, bring TV magazine type shit, you know, we see with, uh, you know, some of that, their writers as well. And, you know, that's the problem with mainstream boxing media right now is we got too much shit like that and, you know, Media needs to be the hands in the hands of actual boxing people, not just trained school trained journalists who found a niche. You know, people that actually love and care about the sport. You know, so big it's not even a niche; webinars. it's a
3: job. It's a, not even a niche; it's a job. Excuse me, I apologize, it, but it's not even a niche. It's like, hey, I get paid to talk about this. I like this certain fighter, and that's it. <clears throat>
2: Yeah, yeah. So big up remember, on Dan Raphael.
7: Uh, Dan Raphael is quoting and saying, "I cover the fights they pay me to go to."
2: Yeah, he he he. Uh, you know, he lost credibility with me to me when he said he's never been to a fight as a fan. You know, he's never paid for a fight as a fan or went to one, and that that just shows you. You know, like you're only going the the fights that you get paid to cover. You know, like what kind of fan are you really? You know, right, so. I don't. I don't necessarily. Uh, I don't get paid by ESPN to cover the fights I cover. You know, I do this shit for the love of it. You know, but I. You know, even before I got into doing the media shit, I was traveling the fights as a fan. So, you know, that's the kind of. Those are the kind of people I want to see as far as uh, big media are being. Uh, you know, having respect as me as considered mainstream media. You know, that's what I look at now. You know, we are the mainstream. Fuck them. That's it. That, said, that uh, concludes this episode of the movement. Um, For my co-hosts, you know, we got big, cool, colossal boxing talk. Bo oh, and Bernard of the Truth and Facts about boxing. Facts. say to God. Oh, Truth and Facts about boxing. My bad, see. I'm glad you guys got me Um. Ah, uh, Yeah. TK, the guide of the Gods of Boxing Talk, and I am Twine, the divine liberty of com, and Rocky Mountain Boxing, and together we are the movement. To the next, next episode, thank you all for listening.
4: Peace. Peace.
1: We still recording? Yeah. Are you still got it on record? Mm-hmm. Still recording. I don't know, Twine. You there? Or did you hang up? Twine might have hung up. I think he's stopping it. I don't think. It, I don't think he hung up.
4: I think he put it on mute to take a shit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Twan. Let him take a shit in
7: peace bo. How do you know he's taking a shit? Are you looking at him from the bedroom? man. Look, man. <laughs> so,
4: look, man. You and Bernard uh, all the time calling yourself daddy and 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 Yeah. No, no, no. If Bernard, Bernard was Rod right, DJ Dick the whole time. Motherfucker. Hey,
8: you
3: hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. Are you hey hold on hold on? I wasn't riding nobody's dick, but sad, since you sound like somebody's riding dick, are, are you getting jealous that nobody's riding your ass? Are you getting
7: jealous? Uh, are <laughs> uh, you, you so jealous? <laughs> hey, motherfucker, you the one over there sounding like you in lockup and shit,
8: motherfucker. Don't drop the smoke, nigga. You sound like your ass off, nigga. That's my voice. In jail
7: and uh, shit. No, oh, he said that's my voice.
3: No, that, that, nigga got that, that.
7: ain't your voice, motherfucker. <laughs> that's
3: my voice, dude, bro. <laughs> he tried that very white voice on all oh,
7: year, man, you know. Motherfucker, that's that.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I was I wasn't even talking about Shannon Briggs. I asked, was the Oscar Valdez or whoever that motherfucker mentioned? Man, I was going on today.
4: I swear, man, I swear he had put something on him talking about Shannon Briggs and some shit. Yeah, no, nah,
7: he did. We were supposed to be talking about the Shannon Briggs. Uh, um Channing Briggs and uh, uh, Brony fighting for the WBA title. But, you know, Twine does such a shitty job in moderating and shit, so we didn't get a chance to get to it. Damn, uh, <laughs> y'all motherfuckers,
1: is
4: wild. No, actually, he man. doesn't have it on here. I'm actually
1: shocked.
3: He doesn't have it on here. I'm looking
4: at it right now. He must have edited it, it on because it was on there. No, yeah, it
7: was on there. I remember seeing that shit. He
3: must, he must. When he put this last, this last one out. He must have took it off.
1: Oh, y'all, yeah, motherfuckers, is wild though, bro.
7: But now I was over there fumbling and stumbling. I said,
3: "Oh shit." Man, hey, fuck, fuck that shit, man. Two K said, "You just like <laughs> picking
7: underdogs." He's
8: not lying. Yeah, Jay, hey, 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 you do. Like, <laughs> hey. He's not lying, motherfucker. You do. I what did I say? What on, did I now, say? Two K can answer that question because he,
3: I know he's gonna, he gonna say, "Uh, Pac-Man. I don't know. I don't know what y'all. I don't know what y'all talking about.
6: What did I say? I can't you I didn't know. No, like when
7: you made that comment when you said, You didn't like picking underdogs, nigga.
6: Oh. <laughs>
7: and I was sitting there like he's not telling a lie. This motherfucker picked Peterson when he was talking about fighting Kodo. I'm like,
8: what the fuck? <laughs> Hell is no, now? no, hold on, time out. Hold on. I'm a Peterson fan, so I'm gonna go ride with
3: Peterson, man.
8: You know, fuck that. No motherfucker, this is the movie.
3: No. You are
7: supposed to speak the fucking truth.
3: No, I'll <laughs> Oh no,
7: with Peter's nigga. Casuals do shit like that, motherfucker. You, casuals do shit like that, man. You be honest with us, nigga. Yeah.
3: When you talking I'm to casuals, I'm you do this shit. And I'm with
6: my fighter. Fuck that. To. Man. Yeah. <laughs> man this is what it is. Hey, that's, I ain't got nothing wrong with that. The only, you know, the only reason why I don't have a problem with Bernard doing that is because this nigga will admit, it, you know, why he's, why he's doing it. Other motherfuckers oh, don't yeah. actually try to act like they're they yeah, actually try yeah, to act yeah. like they're educating you, for right. not to break down a fight. You know what I'm saying? Right, so, right, yeah, no, I, so I, got I agree. With this, I got I mean, it is I, what it is. he's telling me. I, why. I agree. <laughs> no, I told I you. Laugh, no, you wait a minute
7: so, If you come out, if you come out and say, "Listen, that's my boy." I'm a ride with him. Okay, cool. I can respect that. But for dudes right. like you said, they be like, No, you got to realize, you know, he do this well, he do this well, he do that well, I mean that wait. that shit didn't
6: benefit him
8: in that last fight. What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, I, can,
6: I, 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 I might live yeah, like uh, a and shit and nigga a whole ass nigga. But Oh fuck you man. Don't <laughs> <laughs> listen ways,
8: nigga. Don't listen ways, nigga. I did, I right that's why I was up.
6: That's why I was almost late. Shit, that's exactly what I did right before the show. <laughs> Shit. Nigga. <laughs>
7: <laughs> that nigga went to some, that nigga took some creatine and amino acid and did 120 <laughs> shows.
6: Uh, <laughs> hey, but you know, I, I'm in my 30s now. I can't fuck with that creatine, nigga. Nope. Man. I can't fuck with that. That's that young nigga you know what? right there. <laughs> I was
7: I about to say, when I, when I was boxing, a lot of fighters was taking their creatine and rip fuel.
1: Yeah.
6: Yeah, I, I can't fuck fuel, with that, yeah. bro. I'll, I'll blow up, nigga. I'll fucking end up being like 250, nigga. I can't fuck with that. Hell nah. No, Ain't that uh, a fat burner? Ain't that a thermal? That is That
3: rip fuel. Ain't that a thermal?
1: No, rip fuel. is. Yeah. No, is it a thermal yeah.
3: or is it a uh, creatine? No, no creatine.
6: Fat. That shit, woof.
3: No, no, no. That, but I'm asking, have, no, that makes Rip you heat.
6: retain water, man. That should uh That should make you retain all your water. Creatine does. Yep. So I. No. So okay. So what does,
7: do? yeah. what does Rip Fuel do? What does Rip Fuel do? Rip Fuel was shit. like a same shit, but it was more of an energy drink. But it also it was an energy drink that would also help you retain water and help build muscle mass.
1: Yeah. Oh
3: wait. A oh wow. Okay. Okay.
1: Yeah. yeah. I don't fuck with that. Mm. man
6: but that was that was good though because we had some arguments on there man it's always good when you have well argument. no
7: that's why you know what that's why
6: <laughs> so, sometimes man i'll say shit against the grain for, just
7: for
3: that purpose right there
7: because we can't always be in, in agreement with some stuff man we gotta have hey i
3: was riding with jesse vargas and, and then 2k and pretty much shut that motherfucker Try to shut that well he Shut that shit down, cause like Mayweather ain't tell Dewey Cooper what he how he be back here. <laughs> shut him up I read that shit
8: too. I read well, that shit I, too. And when when eggs oh. they,
7: they went to explore Floyd about how to be Manny, so
6: I ain't telling you shit. <laughs>
7: <laughs>
6: yep, that's pretty much what Floyd told
7: me, to me. I ain't telling you shit,
6: and you know why, right? Because fucking Jesse Vargas left TMT. He used left to be solid TMT. Though. Sure did. Oh, he used to be with okay. TMT. Oh, okay. Exactly. okay.
4: It wouldn't have helped but any time. time Jesse Vargas is going to be
7: execute the game plan for 12 rounds and defeat Manny Pacquiao. Yeah. 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 Now, but I do do um, Go ahead, bro. No, I'm going to say, but the reality is, and I said this, I said the way to beat Manny Pacquiao is you got to box him and you got to counter punch him with Jesse Vargas don't do neither. Yep.
4: That's
7: why I don't see him beating him.
4: And we all know who gave problems or defeated many Pacquiao throughout his career. Morales, Marquez. All boxers. All boxers and counterpunchers.
8: Well, yeah, all I, 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 all I, 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 boxers I, and counterpunchers.
4: Counter
6: but this is the difference though. I, I you know, I you're right. Y'all you're on the right track. You know, J- Jesse Vargas does employ the correct style, but he's not smart enough. That's that's my problem. He's not smart mm-hmm. enough to know that he needs to do this. In a particular situation, he's well, just all. It, but hold straight,
3: on, hold on. Hold, hold on, hold on, hold on! He's just all
6: straight up boxer, nothing else. If you if you take away his jab, well then he doesn't know how to not how to how to circle, how to throw a, a lead with a straight right, because of, because the fucking opponent has taken away his jab. No, he's gonna keep throwing a jab. That's, that's all he knows. That's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. Like if if Eric Morales and uh, Marco, Marco Antonio <clears throat> Beretta, They knew how to do other things if Manny Pacquiao would take shit away from them as boxers. Jesse Vargas doesn't. That's what I'm saying, man. This is going to be just like Chris Algieri did. not Algieri got his jab taken away. He kept doing the same shit. (laughs) He kept kept it on the same game plan. Jesse going to do the same thing, man. I'm telling you. (laughs)
8: The reason
3: why I, was, I said his trainer may have a difference Because he actually listened to Dewey Cooper And when he told, Dewey Cooper told him Throw that overhand right You could catch uh, Saddam Ali He threw the jab He looked like you were going to throw a jab to the body With the faint Boom, him with the overhand right And, and knocked oh, him brother.
6: down Brother, is mean, not going to fall for that shit, bro. Saddam Ali is mm. still an amateur, man, and I've been it saying is. that for a long time. Manny Pacquiao is not going to fall for that bullshit. <laughs> Manny Pacquiao might be on the damn side of Jesse Vargas before he even thinks about throwing the overhand right. He's going to be on the side of this nigga hitting him with combinations, though. Like, this, it, you right. you can't compare... Saddam, the Saddam Ali fight with what can happen in a Manny
3: Pacquiao no, fight. There's I'm no like comparison. I'm not comparing that part. What I'm basically saying is he's listening to his trainer. So if he listens to Dewey Cooper, there's a possible chance uh-huh. that he. That's all I'm saying. That's that's the aspect I'm trying to You know what I saying? I'm well, you
4: know,
8: saying? here's But see, so <laughs> here's something that I look
4: at. I look at this.
7: Has Jesse Vargas ever seen the Manny Pacquiao? Because Manny Pacquiao has seen many Jesse Vargas.
6: Yeah. Yeah. I just better. saw one recently. Way better, Jesse <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I really, in my opinion, man, I mean, y'all niggas might not agree, but I think Chris Algieri might beat Jesse Vargas if they ever fought. You know what I'm saying? He's,
3: yeah, he's a better, he's better boxer far, than yeah, Well, he didn't so,
8: utilize that jab like I thought he would against Errol Spence. No, man. See, what you have to understand <laughs> is Earl Spence, See, there are certain
7: guys that know how to do certain things. The, the problem with Jesse Vargas, and 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 I agree with Two K, is he knows one way. Earl Spence has many ways he can come at you, and Earl Spence knows like Earl Spence kind of reminds me of Mike Mike uh, Mike McCullum. He knows yeah. how to get inside on your body without you even knowing. You'd be like, damn, how, what are you doing here? And he knows how to yeah. get there inside on your body, man. Jesse Jesse Vargas. Like, he doesn't know how to take away something that you got. You know, he only knows what he do, does well, and that's what he works on. So, I mean, I mean, don't don't get me wrong. He's young and he wants it. And I like guys like him who say, listen, I want it because he's watching social media. He knows he's not being mentioned in the mix of the 147-pound division. He knows pretty much motherfuckers are not even thinking about him. So, he wants to make a mark. But, like I said, the way to beat Manny Pacquiao, can he do it? And I don't believe he can because – Although he 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 faced Tim Bradley and after that he, he fought Saddam Ali. But like two K said, Saddam Ali was like <clears throat> I've always
6: questioned how the fuck Saddam Ali got where he was because he never impressed me. Well, I don't know how the fuck he beat Luis Carlos Abrego, man. And but maybe true. Maybe, Luis, okay. maybe Luis maybe Luis maybe Luis Carlos Abrego's on a downfall because recently Damn in his me. last fight in his last fight he just got fucking <laughs> knocked out. By a guy with nine losses in the third round back in RGM mm-hmm. yeah. week, man.
8: So you, remember, so
6: you remember that fight? I'm uh, bad. Two K, but you remember that fight on Showtime way back
4: a few years ago? with a brawl. Him and uh, a Brazilian. I forgot the guy's name. That shit was a. It was a great. for me. she has always been suspect, man. and She ran up yep. on the right guy, and I um, mean, yep, you, you know, know. Uh, knocked him out. But I mean, Barker has been fighting the same way since I've been watching the fight. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. You would think you would think fighting a Bradley, fighting a Ali, you would gain more experience and learn things and pay attention to, you know, when you're watching film, see what you did better in each fight or, or what you did wrong. But he still fights the same way.
8: Yeah, he does. It
4: all together. I mean, but if you don't evolve in, in anything, that's just with anything, whether it's boxing or anything life in general, you're going to stay at the same level. And that's what I see come home Saturday night uh, or whenever I watch a fight.
6: Oh, um, too much more. See, in my I remember the damn Jesse Vargas versus Khabib Aliagderia fight, man. Jesse Vargas clearly lost that fucking fight. He shouldn't mm-hmm. have been the WBA champion at that point in time. You know what I'm saying? And Khabib is you saw what Adrian Broner did to that motherfucker. That's <laughs> a B love right. fighter. You know what I'm right. saying? And, and Jesse Vargas clearly lost to this nigga. Yeah, he, he, I mean, he, he couldn't even get past Khabib's jab. Whenever, whenever Jesse would jab, Khabib would jab with him, and he would get off first. That that was the story of the fight, really. You know what I'm saying? So if a guy like Khabib, Alexander, can jab with Jesse, what the fuck you think Manny Pacquiao is gonna do? Manny Pacquiao don't even need to jab with him; he can elude this nigga's jab easily. Manny Pacquiao
7: really doesn't. Yeah, Manny
8: Pacquiao really doesn't. Yeah, this is,
6: this is a, but this is a jab from a B level fighter. He can man. This, I hate this fight. You
3: know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, like, like. Hey, like playing that, <laughs> uh, huh? play that on Bob Aaron. Huh? blame that on Bob Aaron, because I, I really thought he was going to yeah. fight. Um, we thought it was going to be the Broner. Then we thought it was a potential chance that he taking on Travis Crawford, which we all do. We pretty much do that. Well, he was gonna pick I, the I of, call the you. lesser of the, uh, the three uh, p- p- potential contenders against Pacquiao.
6: So, well, I called, I called this fight out right after the Bradley fight and my post-fight A video. lot of people
3: called that fight out. I have to agree with you. A lot of yeah, people did. called
6: that fight yeah. out. Yeah, because as soon as, as, soon as, uh, as soon as he got that, what was it, that WBO interim title against, against uh, Tim Bradley, <laughs> it, was, it was one of the WBO minor titles. As soon as he got that shit, I was like, man, he about to fight Jesse Vargas. I said that shit whenever. Yeah. I don't even remember when that fight was. Was it April of this year or March? Hey,
3: that's speaking
6: of... Upset. Yo, bro. What's cracking?
3: Where's
6: Saddam Ali at? That nigga, that nigga
7: just fought.
3: Yeah, he,
7: he fought. He just fought. Against who? He just fought. But see, that's what I'm saying. So when Oscar says, well, promoters aren't doing a good job promoting people. Okay, how come Jesse this is one of your motherfucking fights? I mean, not Jesse Vargas, uh Sadam Ali is one of your fighters. How come we didn't hear about him? Okay,
8: Damn, JoJo, about a, uh, JoJo, about you know what I'm saying? Jojo do Diaz. Video.
6: Jojo Diaz is one of your motherfucking fighters. How come we ain't hear about I, him? Oscar said, man, he, he he jealous, man. Like I said earlier when I was speaking, jealous, man. He won't back in there so bad. He
4: went he went back in there so bad But he ain't gonna be a yep. back in there for a while. So he's gonna throw a fit and, and talk shit like mm-hmm. a, a girlfriend, well, you
7: no, know, shit. So you know, you know the the thing with Oscar, and I say this, and a lot of people get mad at me for saying it.
4: Oscar
7: Oscar lost every big fight he ever had." He lost every big fight. Oh, yeah. He lost to Tito. he lost to Tito. Right right. He lost to Tito. He lost to Mosley. He lost to B He lost to Floyd. And then that's why when I hear You're Max Kellerman say.
8: Forte.
7: Right, yeah, yeah. Y'all, he, I, yeah. He I I I thought he lost to Adi He definitely lost to Felix Strong, but you know, he got the decision over him. But that's why when Max Kellerman say, say when Max Kellerman say shit like, Oh well, uh, you know, Oscar, you know, unlike Floyd, fought everybody. No, he didn't. He didn't fight Forrest. He didn't fight Winky Wright. He didn't fight Jose oh, Lopez. Yeah. There's a lot of, you know, he didn't fight Paul. A lot of motherfuckers, you know, he didn't fight Madonna Margarito. Uh, so don't tell me he fought everybody. Now, I'm not going to knock the dudes he fought, okay? But don't sit there and make it seem like there was nobody he ducked. Bullshit. That Jose
5: no.
6: Lopez duck was the most, was the biggest duck of that time. I remember yes, it that was. shit, because I was I was a little nigga. I remember that, you know what I'm saying? But now, um, I respected Bernard, him.
7: But, I respected him because he came out and said that that fight isn't something he wanted right now.
8: Yeah. Well I respected yeah, I remember him that, for too. saying it. But you're yeah. right though. That mm-hmm. Lopez fight,
6: nobody wanted Lopez at that time. Yeah.
4: yeah.
6: yeah. Hey Bernard, oh, to yeah, answer your question, Bernard, uh Saddam Ali fought on the undercard of um, Canelo Leon Smith. Yeah.
4: Wow. Mm, that's where Yeah. Oh, that—that was his last fight, and he looked
2: like shit too. He looked like
6: losers. he looked like shit. He looked like he looked like he looked like a, a see before. Before, I always thought he was an amateur that could have made the Olympics, nigga. In that fight, he looked like an amateur that would have lost in the Olympic trial. That's what he looked like. Mm. That nigga, like shit, dog. Wow. <laughs> so that's why I said because
7: we never got two K's take on uh, Oscar saying that. I don't think did we.
3: That's what we did.
6: Yeah, 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 we did. Okay, no, nah, there was something we was talking about that he didn't go to you. When we was talking about it, Adrian Broner and um, uh, Mikey Garcia. Oh uh, yeah, what'd you think about that, man? No, nah. man, that's a fucking. Nah, it was a. It, it, it was what Showtime was doing. I talked about Showtime, all the Showtime, the the Showtime topic.
7: Okay, I, I know it was.
6: Right. Yeah, the to Asian,
8: situation.
6: Man, that's a fucking, that's an excellent fight. Like, it, this, it depends, like, uh, Mikey Garcia is going to fight DeJuan Zlatan Cannon. I think he, if he goes in there, cause I didn't, a lot of people like Mikey, uh, in his last fight. I didn't, I didn't think. He, horrible. You yeah. I, horrible I, yeah, exactly. I agree with, I agree with you. He did look horrible to me too, but, um, Maybe, you know, he shook some ring rust off. If he goes in there against L- Gladick Cannon, and he looks like vintage Mikey Garcia, Adrian Bronner's in trouble, dog. But if he looks like shit again, well, then Adrian Bronner's got an opportunity to win that fight. I think Mikey Garcia, man, the old Mikey Garcia was on a different level than what Adrian Broner's on, Sorry. man. I hate to say that, but it's true. You know what I'm saying? So, I, I mean, think Mikey did cost himself a lot of his prime. I he still
4: was 28, whatever he did. He just didn't look yeah. good at all. I mean, he didn't look good at all. I mean, you got know some people come back from a, a, a long way off, and you can see, okay, resemblance of the old, old stuff. I didn't see that. I mean, the power, of course, he's going to always have that, but he, he looked slow. I mean, obviously, he was nervous first fight back in a long time, but I expect him to look yeah. more better, but I think he probably should have took another fight before jumping up to this one. i not saying the guy's on his level, but he's been fighting, you know, consistently. While Mikey has been on the sideline. So, I mean, you know, he won't um, want a title and then to move up to 140. So, I
8: respect that. Hopefully, we get a better performance because,
4: man, Mikey is the truth when We'll
7: see. We'll see. But, you know, how, man, dude, when you really think about this, man, how amazing is it that when it comes to Adrian Broner, you really have to look at hard at some of the top dudes. That that we think he could beat. Well, once upon a time he was being put up there with beating some of these top dudes, and now it's, it's like,
6: what's up? No, I was. I, I, you could have continued, but I was just gonna say, all, I, <laughs> bro. I was one of them niggas back in 2012. I was like, yo, ain't nobody beating Adrian Broner, nigga. Nobody. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I was one of them niggas, bro.
3: <laughs> and I, a, I, I was yep. over that too. So I was at the gym one night. I didn't
5: know that nigga was fighting,
3: and I got the news. And, and so
6: I was like, "Yo, this nigga just lost." I'm like, "Wait, what, bro?" <laughs> uh, it, wasn't, it, it wasn't until the Polly Malignaggi fight because I had Polly winning that fight. It wasn't oh, until shit. that fight until I was like, "Oh hell, and this nigga should not move to 147." And then when they announced Madonna, I thought he would win. But I knew he would have trouble. I didn't think he was gonna get knocked down twice. I don't think anybody. Well, Seth, Seth told me hey, earlier today. That was the fight I was with Seth... Jimmy. I didn't even know they would
3: fought, and I was kind of mad about that one, man. I, I was like, shit.
7: No, I knew he was gonna lose that Maidana fight because prior to that Maidana fight, Floyd Mayweather was. I think was was that the fight when Floyd fought Canello? No,
3: that was yes. that fool. That no, was, that's when that fool walked in
7: there uh open No, week. that's that's I so was out gonna there say, going with He little was. He walked in on a Floyd Mayweather's all-accesses oh, overweight. Really? He had a pot. Oh, belt. yeah, that
3: boy was and I fat. Said, oh, yeah, I remember shit.
7: that shit. I remember and I that. said, oh, <laughs> shit, he's fighting <laughs> my like, daughter. He
3: had one ass. He had one big-ass ass.
7: Yeah, and I saw that shit when he was fighting my daughter. I said, oh, shit, this might not be a I good know, look, that. especially if you telling me you ain't been training.
6: I forgot all oh, about he's been that eating. shit, man. Yep. Yep, he sure did. That nigga had a. I was wondering why he was wearing that damn vest with no shirt on underneath. Nigga like fat ass nigga. I remember that shit, bro.
8: <laughs> yeah, you
6: know? I, I thought the same thing, but I didn't. Think, I still didn't think he was gonna lose. But yeah, I did look at that. I was like, man, that's gonna be. He gonna have trouble trying to get that weight off.
2: I remember that
8: shit.
6: Yeah.
2: Huh?
7: <laughs> I, I, to, to this day, I tell anybody the best AJ that ever looked that I saw was when he fought Demarco's. That was just coming out. I for like. It.
3: I like him when he fought. Um,
7: well, I, I had him.
6: I had him. I had him beating Antonio DeMarco. I actually bet on him in that fight. He was. He was a um, a slight favorite, and I bet on him on that fight. I want some money, but I I, I like that fight of course because that was his biggest test at that time. But the mm-hmm. fight that I liked better than that was against Eloy Perez because him and right. Eloy Perez they were talking shit back and forth, yeah. um, and he just went in there and just. He late. Yeah, he Matter of fact, Eloy Pe- Eloy Perez is, doesn't even box anymore after that fight. He retired after that fight. And then that nigga yes, ended up did. going to jail. Ended up going to jail for domestic violence and shit. That nigga's life is all fucked up because of Adrian Broner. And before that fight, Perez was an undefeated fighter. Yes, he was. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
3: you think he got his ass moved, so he went home and his uh, woman's
8: ass? I guess so, because he, I guess he so. never. <laughs>
6: That nigga never got back in the ring, and he's been in and out of jail ever since the Adrian Broner fight, man. Come yep. up, Jason Jason? Like, that on, Jason What's your name, Jason? He lost He knocked on Oh, Jason Littow, the white boy? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. he knocked his ass out in the first round, yep. I remember hey, that,
8: that
6: was shit, too. Peep.
7: Ooh. Beat up. Oh, oh, yeah. I, was like, I was like this. That's what I'm terrible. saying, man. That's what I'm saying. Like, what y'all saying is what I'm talking about. Adrian Brunner was, was on the list of everybody now. Now we look at it now, because of his lack of training, lack of focus, it's hard to see who he can beat when you talk yeah. about some of the top guys, man. And that's a shame. And that's really a shame because this was he should have
6: never. He should have never went to 147. I've always – I said it I agree when, with he you. when he fought Polly, When he fought Polly, I was like, man, that nigga needs to go back down. I said, I said he should go to 147. <laughs> but he went from 135 20. straight
7: to 147,
6: right? Exactly. Yeah. Yes, he did. Yep. And he
4: he Somewhere along the line, he stopped caring for real I mean, he he talented. He can you, you. got some of these guys. I don't know what it is, man. He a lazy fighter in that ring. He not a lazy. He went fighter. from. He a lazy fighter. I can tell you what it was.
7: He went from being a he, he went from from being a fighter to being a celebrity. And that's what happened. Yeah, what you doing? He went from being a fighter to being a celebrity. And that's what happened to him. Because this is something we talk about all the time. See, people say what you want about Floyd. Floyd was able to do what Floyd was able to do because the one thing Floyd never lost sight and focus of was training. Yeah. Okay? Floyd could talk shit, but guess what? Floyd would be in there there training. Floyd could Mm -hmm. be out of boxing. Floyd could fight twice a year, but Floyd was always in the gym training. Floyd could, you know, mocking himself and saying all the shit he wanted to say. But guess what? Floyd was always what? Training. And that's what a lot of these dudes don't understand. They like, we talk about all the time, like, this is what I hate about the sport, which is careful what you wish for. We want to see dudes fighting each other. We want to see guys stepping up. Okay, now we got Earl Spence, who wants to fight all the big names, but he can't because everybody said, well, who is he fought to deserve that fight? But right now,
8: yep.
7: at the same aspect, you look at Floyd Mayweather, and when Floyd said, Hey man, these dudes are making too much, everybody wanna say, Well, you just made three hundred million. Look how long it took this motherfucker to get to that three hundred million. Yeah.
8: You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Look how long it took him to get to that. Why and that's and that's, that's what motherfuckers
4: people, forget. That's why people just they don't appreciate, you know, pretty boy Floyd. They appreciate money Mayweather. You know, they don't they don't study his whole career. They just No, 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 no big Crew.
7: They don't know they don't know money, they don't know Pretty Boy Floyd. They don't remember pretty Boy Floyd because they don't know. A lot of, like, guys like us study the sport. A lot of people, seriously, man, they only going back two, maybe three years
4: in boxing. That's as far back as they're going. I mean, I mean, shame on them. You, you can't You you can can't just study three of a guy that you, you know, aiming to make as much money as him. You can't just. Okay, wait. Like you know what Floyd did? Didn't. It?
5: Whenever I
4: started watching boxing, that's how as long as it took Floyd to get three hundred million. With that mindset, mm-hmm. said you already fucked yourself. You know what I'm saying? Cause like you right. said, you got to go way back, way back. Even when he was an amateur, you know what I'm saying? You got to go way back and see. Okay, this is where he started, and this is where he hit Broner. Mm-hmm. Maybe Floyd, maybe Floyd enabled him sometime. You know, especially Broner. And I don't know their conversations behind closed doors. But all I know. Is a guy that's close to Floyd, is kind of taking heed to what he's doing and doing it the right way, is uh, Badu Jack. Badu Jack fights the guys they put in front Ew. of. Don't really hear too much. I'm not saying he is talented. I'm just saying <laughs> he's the only one of his fighters that's soaking up everything that
6: Floyd, you know, just, you know, releasing a, a or teaching. Badu Mr. Badu AKA Mr. Basic. That should be his fucking nickname, Mr. Basic. That nigga is hey, the most basic. Is working for in a better position than Brony. He's working for in a depleted division. You absolutely right. Yeah, hey, but
3: hey, <laughs> you know, hey, you, <laughs> I mean, you can't. He can't. Blame, you can't blame the era. He was, you know, he was fighting
6: it. I mean, you fighting. me
4: well, then. Head. You said
6: it. Well, okay. You said the same thing about Triple G then.
8: <laughs> All right. Yeah, you got, you got,
6: uh, me, I, uh, I mean, I mean, I get what you're You, you say.
8: can't you do that, man. Cool, you can't. I you can't be cool But here's the thing, though. Here's the thing about Andrew Jackson. <laughs> he did beat Durrell. Okay. Who did? Who did? Andrew Jackson. Andrew Jackson. Oh, Anthony. Stop. You're right. Yeah, Anthony, Anthony, he did. He
5: came about to flip.
6: Now he beat Andre. Now. Don't get me like. Don't get it. No. Andre's <laughs> the better, the better brother. Fuck Anthony, nigga.
8: Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> here we go.
6: Andre, Andre's the nigga. Let's <laughs> and okay. be Andre. James Miguel, nigga. Right. right, that's true. But,
7: <laughs> but here's the thing, though. See, and this is this is my problem with Triple G. People that's talking and praising Triple G have only been doing it the last two years, and they talk yeah. like he just stepped on the scene. Triple G been a pro for damn near ten years. Where was Triple G seven years ago? Just like Roman just like Roman complaint about being paid more money, and Two K said this. This motherfucker been on the pound for pound number one list. But damn near two years. You know? Mm-hmm. But you got a lot of people that only know him because he might be Floyd Mayweather's record. And hopefully he does that. So you got a lot of people that only know Triple G. See, Triple G only came about because Andre Ward was going. When Andre Ward was around, nobody's talking about fucking Gennady Golovkin.
3: And that's the truth. Why
7: not you fight in America like that? Yo, okay. and
3: you wore War's name to get, to, to have a potential fight. And we know how that turned out. Exactly. I'm yes. just saying, I, I, just, I just want
6: to get big cool because of what he said about Badu Jack, you got to be consistent and say the same thing about Gennady Golovkin. You can't oh, say no, that no, about no. one fighter and not the other.
3: Okay. Well, yeah. But look, though, Badu Jack, he on a different – okay, okay you're right.
6: You're right about this. But Badu Jack is in a position where he got to take
4: what, what's given to him. Even though he's under Floyd Mayweather, not really getting no soft touch. He hasn't got a soft touch since he won the title or since he put forward and won it. Triple G, on the other hand, he got the pedigree, the amateur pedigree. He got HBO backing him. He
6: got all these apologies. You can't tell me that he can't go up and challenge himself? To Let me running? ask you this, bro. Okay. No, I agree. No, no I agree, uh, Big cool. you know, I'm a big critic of Triple G, big time. I'm just trying to keep you consistent. Let me tell you this. You said that Badu Jack has never got well, not never, but he hasn't gotten a light touch. If you you won the title, well, Roger Leo Medina. Does he compare to David Lemieux? Is he better than David Lemieux? Would you Would you agree with that? Is he better than Martin Murray, or maybe, uh, what's the other cat that motherfucker fought? Uh, Curtis Stevens. I think he's on the same level as those cats. Yeah, and I mean, Bobby, I think Stevens. I think Stevens better,
4: but I think. Well,
7: I think yeah, you right,
4: you right, you got me. I like look, yeah, mess y'all, y'all educate me on that, y'all, you got me. I mean, no, yeah, yeah. no, he's not, he's not better, he's yeah, not he's better, at all. exactly. Yeah. And that's but my also, But also, there's one guy compared to three guys
6: we just named. No, yeah. I agree. Well, that's just the one guy that I got. I mean, I could use yeah, Lucian yeah, feel, too, feel, too, feel, but but Lucian but Lucian Boutay to your credit, Lucian Boutay is a former champion. Now, I thought he hoarded that fucking title forever, and he should have lost it to Labrador Andrade. But yeah, at have. the same time, yeah, at the same time, he was still a champion, a former champion. He was the IBS, uh champion at one sixty eight.
0: Mm-hmm.
6: um But, uh, yeah, I, I, there, there's, there's a couple guys I can name in there that you know... You know that uh, was grooming
7: Boutte to be the next Joe kozaki They were what talking to, him? man. Hell Yeah. <laughs>
4: Yeah, exactly That's why they it, kept away
7: from Pascal even back then.
8: They kept him away from Pascal even way back then.
4: When you think about it, Boutay probably one of the most overrated champions in the last ten, fifteen. When you really absolutely one hundred percent agree because he folded up like a lawn chair when he fought Carl Froch, and I mean it was just like no resistance at all. <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't do yep. nothing. He looked, he looked like uh, when he got here, he looked like. Carfrosh just threw a bucket of cold water on him, woke him up out of his sleep. That's how every time he get hit. He had <laughs> I mean, he just said, "Fuck it, I don't, I'm tired of swimming. I'm out the guy." You, you said last
7: thing, okay? You said overrated fighter fight over the last ten years.
3: Champions. Champions.
7: no champions. Oh champions, okay, okay. Because I, I, I was thinking, what about I
3: seen Rockman?
7: <laughs> but he was, was, come
3: on,
8: man. man. Savon <laughs> <laughs> likes that
3: nigga.
6: <laughs> if, I say, if I say Hussein Rogman, Tavon immediately comment on my post like, nigga. Because <laughs> he's from Baltimore. Anything Baltimore, nigga, Tavon on top of that shit. But, yeah. Because you know uh, Granados, uh, Adrian Granados is
7: from what, Fremont,
8: Illinois? Oh, is he? Yeah, Adrian Granados from Illinois. Where's that married mom
4: from? He's from uh, New York. Was oh, he,
8: he from the Midwest, motherfucker?
4: Nah, he from New oh, York. Yeah, yeah. He from, like, one of them south Uh, Nah, I ain't saying south, but, you know, he ain't from Brooklyn, he's no. He from, like, fucking, I don't know,
6: Manhattan or some shit. Some small city in fucking New
4: York. Mm. Okay.
6: That nigga from Poughkeepsie or some shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he from somewhere smaller in New York, but, I mean...
4: Man, yeah. He is, too, A right. Of, yeah. He is. I'm still mad. Oh no, man! And, 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 uh, and the uh, Lombardo, fight, though, man. That shit with Butte was that was some bogus ass shit. And then and Butte folded him up in the rematch. I was like, man. Yeah, I was mad. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I remember watching
6: that shit. I remember watching Lucian Butte fight, man, a long time ago. And again, man, just like watching Sekou Powell on fucking ESPN and and Peter Coiling on ESPN, man. I said the same thing about Lucian Bittell. I was like, man, this nigga going to get his ass whooped as soon as he fights somebody with any type of ability. He's going he gonna to lose. And uh, you know that's, that's exactly what
8: happened. You I I I I question: you saying that
7: is that's true about about motherfucking uh, Peter Quillen. A lot of people were saying that shit about Peter Quillen. Yeah, it was true about all three. Andy, Andy, it it, it was show against Andy Lee, Jack.
3: She
6: showed him goddamn The Q, Q Powell knocked out fucking um Cornelius Bundridge and then after that, that nigga was getting his ass molly whop. I think that nigga got like thirteen <laughs> losses, some shit like that. Now, dog, he retired now. <laughs> know, he know, said molly He said he was getting his ass molly wopped. Wop. Wop. Yep. Wop. I remember that shit, dog, because they, they were fucking they were all over the Powell nigga on ESPN like. Oh, it's, it's this cute pop like man, this nigga's trash. Like, put this nigga in the ring with somebody, he gonna fucking lose. Did he lose to Rosado
4: or was it Spinks or uh,
6: who it the fuck he lost? Man, loves? that nigga got a he lost. Yeah, I think he lost to Corey Spinks. He got a lot of Corey losses. Corey He got he got a lot of losses, dude. He got a lot of them. I think Corey Spinks beat him twice. Spinks was pretty good. Man. Man. Focus. I didn't like Corey Spinks neither, man. Was I ain't like ain't like Corey Spinks either, man. <laughs> That's, that motherfucker, yeah. that
7: motherfucker beat Zab Judah. Went to his hometown and got his ass knocked out.
0: <laughs>
7: and he was never he was the
4: same after that.
7: He was never girl. the same after that, man. <laughs> then he fought, who did he fight with he,
4: he fought K Nine? uh Bondrus. Most recent fight. Dude, he fought
8: Jermaine Taylor.
4: Yeah, Jermaine yeah, Taylor. his most recent fight. Oh. Whenever, like, a few years ago, he fought, uh, K-9 and got K-9. his ass knocked the fuck out. Like, yeah, nah, is... Multiple
5: times.
0: Every fan knows the right player, in the right position, can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone.